WBUR, New York. Bernie and Sid in the morning. Talk Radio 77. WBC. One of the greatest albums of all time. No one could argue that. The great U2 album, Unforgettable Fire. And, uh, boy, I could list a, a, a ton of great songs off that album, including the title track, which I believe back then we had two sides. Remember that? We had records. We had two sides. No, I don't remember that. <laughs> you don't even remember that. Unforgettable Fire, I believe, was the first song on the second side. It may have been bad. Either one, uh, great songs. And right there, Pride in the Name of Love. As we get going... On this hump day, Wednesday, in the dark. Like if you're watching me right now and watching uh, Gabby Lopez does an amazing job every morning. Her father's here already, the uh, fearless leader, the great war hero, Chad Lopez, who I love desperately. This uh, this guy, Chad, has no idea. I write a book. I I write Chad's name all over the place. I'm doing a photo shoot magazine. It comes out this Sunday. Chad's name is in there. This guy has no idea how much love I give him. Everywhere I go, Chad Lopez. Every time, Chad Lopez, Chad Lopez, Chad Lopez. Every time. And uh, his daughter, Gabby, does a great job. WABCradio.tv, you can see it's dark out behind me. A nice little steady stream of traffic on 3rd Avenue. Luke, uh, we got um, any bad traffic right here by the office on 3rd Avenue? What do we got? Right by the office? No, we're looking good right by the office. Okay, thank you, Luke. How do we look for the whole day, though, today? Is today a gridlock alert day? What's the what's the day look like? I, I've got a good feeling. Yeah. Uh, now, we, we said I've, I've bet with you before. You know that sometimes that goes awry, but I, I think we're going to have a good day today. All right. There you have it, folks. Well, we are here on this hump day Wednesday, and um, I'm not sure why I brought up the uh, the TV stream. I had a good reason for it, but this happens to me a lot lately where I, I absolutely forget what the hell I'm talking about. I don't know what's going on. Well, you know, you're getting old, and uh, that's, this is what happens. I'm not getting when, old. When I am you, old. Uh, yeah. I am old. Yeah, yeah. You're an old man. God willing, I'll be 55 in April. I have a beautiful body. My face has taken a bit of a beating, but thank God for Jen. I'll see her on Friday. So I look a lot better than my age dictates, but I'm old. You're older than us divided by two. Why don't you go up yourself? You ever think about that? I, no, I have not, but I will. Okay. Uh, Bernie's not here today. Bernie uh, talked about this uh, very honestly the last couple of days. It is round two for Bernard for chemotherapy. So he did go to Sloan Kettering last night. He was supposed to go today. He decided to go last night. I'm not sure if Bernie got chemo yesterday. If he did get chemo yesterday, there's a chance he could be back here on Friday. If he did not, and he just kind of checked in, then he will be getting chemo the next three days, today, tomorrow, and Friday, and we'll hear from him again on Monday. That's the more likely scenario that Bernie is back on the show on Monday. Uh, Again, a slight, slight chance 
He's back on Friday, but be prepared to get me solo for the next three days. And everybody knows the show is at its best when Bernie is sitting next to me, but the show is still great either way because I'm great and i got a great cast, uh, led by Justin Ellick. Who, me? Uh, yes. I did actually just call you great. You, yes. Wow. Oh, my God. What a way to start the day, huh? I'm, like, blushing. I don't, I don't even want to What was the last time anybody called you great? Anybody, including your, your mail-order bride, Lisa, your, your fiancé. Well, I mean, let's just say um, it's been a while. Been a probably, while. Probably sure. uh, on the day I was born. <laughs> they said I was great. <laughs> Maybe then. Who knows? Uh, Frankie Diaz with an E is here today. In fact, my cabbie, Gene, my limo driver, Gene, pulled up this morning, and he pulled up right in front of our uh, palatial studios here on 3rd Avenue. And Frankie was outside um, smoking a cigarette. Maybe I shouldn't say that. I don't know. But he was outside smoking a cigarette, and Gene was like, oh, look at that guy. Who's that? And I said, Frankie Diaz. And uh, he was so excited, Gene, that he rolled down the window. And, Frankie, you could attest to this, and actually screamed out, hey, Frankie, what are uh, you doing? Yeah, I know. I thought that was you with just, like, you were, like, leaning yeah, well, over. Yeah, with the Jamaican accent? No, <laughs> I didn't you realize nuts? what the accent was. I wasn't smoking a cigarette. I was smoking my vape. I've been trying to quit smoking oh, okay. cigarettes. So, like a vape know. is better. Okay. No, I didn't say it was better. I just oh, said it's better than smoking, you know, right. ammonia. I, I only snort heroin. I don't shoot it. Yeah. Um At any rate, Gene was very excited. And it's funny because now I've got Gene. He drives me to work every morning. And there's another guy, and I feel horrible because i don't know his name but he parks the cab outside at 10 30 every morning and he takes me home so i've got gene taking me in and a really nice guy i found out his name today he drives me home and he loves all you guys justin and luke and frankie diaz and mikey garcia and christina has a lot of fans now too you filthy degenerates because she's a good looking lady she's not here today she'll be back tomorrow but we got a we got a great crew, Deb Valentine, everybody. We got a big show today. We got four great guests. We'll start the guests off at seven forty. He's here every Wednesday at that time. The esteemed congressman and dear dear friend Peter King. He's coming up at seven forty. At eight oh five, we mark the return of my first cousin. Yes, the former senator from the great state of Minnesota. Also spent eight years as the mayor in St. Paul, Minnesota. And was a tremendous politician. Now, uh, on his record, he did suffer defeats to people like Jesse Ventura in the gubernatorial race and Al Franken, that douchebag, when he lost to him for the senator race. But to all in all, it's been a brilliant career for Norm Coleman. And uh, he's a cancer survivor, too, by the way. He has struggled with that a couple of times over the last couple of years. And my cousin Norm, who I love dearly, will join us at 8.05. Then at 8.40, In my opinion, in Bernard's opinion, the best writer in the country, New York Post columnist Miranda Devine, who just yesterday sent me a blurb for my book, which was really, really nice. If you missed it yesterday, my book, Citizens United, my second book, my first book, You're Wrong and You're Ugly, came out in 2010. It's now 12 years old. It was written by Paul Schwartz, who covers the New York football giants on a daily basis for the New York Post. And it did okay. Not great. It was only, it only came out in a paperback, and I was already exiled to Miami. So I had no way to really promote it here in New York, and it just did okay at best. But 12 years later, this is a much, much bigger deal. Post Hill Press, Simon & Schuster, Anthony Zaccardi, Ian Kleinert, Johnny Russo. And again, the book is uh, entitled Citizens United. comes out, we're hoping, uh, by Labor Day now, because things are changing with this supply chain shortage. It's supposed to be out before July 4th, and now there's just no paper. I mean, this is not a joke. I mean, now I'm, you know, they're going to have Pete Buttigieg, for example, this moron on uh, MSNBC this morning. But uh, now even I'm feeling it when it comes to my book, which is now delayed at least 
three months. I had least. to uh, fill up my tank of gas when I was driving up to the mountain last weekend. Oh, to go to a hunter mountain. Yeah, to shred the gnar. And, um, to what? To shred the gnar. What does that even mean? It's like, uh, you know, it's like skiing, snowboarding lingo. Really? Yeah. They oh, say, yeah. you know, we're going to go shred because gnar is short for like how, gnarly. How often do you uh, ski where you're able to get away with using that type of lingo this morning and not sounding silly? Uh, never. Never? Okay. Never. It's implied that I will sound silly, and I'm prepared for that. Okay, but it, very but good. But it's okay. So you shredded the gnar. Yeah, but I was dropped. The, the whole point of the story, now yeah. we're getting sidetracked, you see? I'm sorry. So the whole point of the story was that All I right, went, it's a great story so far. <laughs> is it almost over? <laughs> I filled up my tank of gas, and it was like, it was the first time I was filling up my tank of gas, because I don't drive. I live in the city uh, for a while, probably over a year. And uh, it was like 80 bucks for a full tank of gas. That's it. That's the whole story? That's the whole story. I mean, I guess 80 bucks for a tank of gas is worthy of that shredding the gnar story. Yeah, I guess. but it didn't really sound dull. It sounded better in my head. <laughs> no, it's important. I mean, we're just getting killed at every turn. But um, I do have five people writing blurbs. Blurb is what you see in the jacket cover, right? So you see the book, you see the front cover of the book, and then on the back you see names, and you go, oh, wow, that's kind of cool. So the five names on the back of my book are John Katsimatidis, the most important our fearless owner and uh, dear, dear friend, he uh, he's writing a blurb for the book. Bill O'Reilly, Chaz Palminteri, Congressman Peter King, and Miranda Devine. Those are the five blurbs on the back of my book. That's a pretty impressive list of blurbs. And then, of course, uh, Bernard McGurk, the great Bernie, wrote the forward for the book, and that is a great forward. I mean, a great forward. The first book I wrote 12 years ago, Don Imus wrote the forward, but, of course, it was like three sentences long. And the publishing company, Triumph, out of Chicago, was like, no good, got to be longer. So I had Audie Lang, who at the time was working for Howard Stern, Don Imus' nemesis, write the forward instead, which he did do. So uh, the book will be out probably around Labor Day, sometime late summer. Despite the supply, supply chain shortage, we will get the book out. But Miranda will join us at 8.40. And then at 9.25, Wayne Allen Root. Is he in Las Vegas? I guess he's in Los Angeles now, right, for the Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, I would assume so. He's coming on to talk uh, specifically about Super Bowl odds. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, he's the CEO of the publicly traded company VegasWinners.com. Yes. Yes. So, And they just recently partnered with MGM. He's a big conservative guy, too. Talks a lot of politics, too, along with sports gambling. Yeah, and... I think that's his, uh, that's his most... Um... Yes. I think he's on Newsmax. Biggest MO. He's yeah, he, Newsmax. Was, he was on Newsmax. Definitely. Okay, there you go. So he'll break down the game between the Rams and the Bengals. It's funny. I wanted to talk to Christopher Mad Dog Russo on this show this week because, as far as I'm concerned, he's the most entertaining sports talk show host in the history of the business, and that includes me. That's how great Dog is. But um, I came to the realization he's in Los Angeles. All the big sports people are in L.A. for the Super Bowl this Sunday between the Rams and the Bengals, and we're on in Los Angeles. 3 to 7 a.m. local time, which means no one's coming on the show. Nobody. So, so the, what, he can't wake up for oh, God, 10 no. minutes at 5 o'clock in the nah, morning? No, I wouldn't even ask him. They're at parties all night and yeah. dinners. And, you know, if the game was in Miami, we got a shot in the 9 o'clock hour, maybe. If the game was, uh, hey, we had one in New York years and years ago. I was living in Boca Raton at the time, but that Super Bowl between the Denver Broncos and the Seattle Seahawks were Peyton Manning. Won the Super Bowl, defeated Russell Wilson. That night was a crazy night. It was raining. It was uh, like the first Sunday in February, and it was like 70 degrees. You remember that night, that game between the Broncos and the Seahawks? Very vaguely. It was very, very warm. Very warm. Didn't the Seahawks win that game? No, the Seahawks uh, beat the Patriots, I think. 
No, because that was the that was the interception. Remember that? Oh, you're right. About pick Carroll not handing yeah, off. Yeah. He, he threw the pick. No, Russell Wilson. All oh, right, he threw the pick against the Pats. Malcolm, yeah. Malcolm Butler. Yeah. So who did Peyton Manning beat when he was Peyton on? Peyton Manning beat the Panthers, the Carolina oh, Panthers in 2016. Right. Very good. He beat Cam Newton. Very, very good. Look at all the space in Luke's brain. Luke is just amazing. Look at this guy. The LIE, Super Bowl history. It Don't let me matter. get hot right now. <laughs> I won't, I promise. <laughs> 1-800-848-WABC. As always, that's the number. 1-800-848-9222. So once again, we will talk to Miranda. Divine, Peter King, Norm Coleman, Wayne Allen Root. Maybe another surprise along the way. The whole crew is here. Lots of stories to cover. Donald Trump on Maria Bartiromo yesterday. He's talking about Russia, China, all that stuff. Uh, We got our first gold talking about China at the Olympics yesterday, didn't we, Justin Ellick? Yeah, we did. Very exciting. Uh, Some 36-year-old women's snowboarder. How about that? And Tucker Carlson last night on Fox News breaks down crack pipes. I'm not even kidding you. All that and more. The Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid in the morning. We're just getting rolling. Keep it right here on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Springsteen at 623 on your hump day Wednesday morning. Bernie and Sid here. Bernie out till Monday in all likelihood. He's going back for round two of chemotherapy today at Sloan Kettering. He's in great spirits. He's in a very good mood. He feels strong. Spoke to him yesterday. And uh, we'll get through the next three days and get the big man back on on Monday. That song, I, I thought, a brilliant disguise because, you know, there are so many people that walk around New York City. And Bernie and I used to joke about this. We'd see uh, a woman, for example, walking outside, and with the mask on, the brilliant disguise, with the mask on, she looked very, very attractive. And then she would take the mask off, and you'd be like, oh, wow. Boy, she really fooled us. (laughs) Talking about brilliant disguise. So, you know, if you have a nice set of eyes, for example, and nice hair, and you dress nice, and you got a mask on, odds are you're going to look attractive. Yeah, people don't um, realize how important the bottom half of your face is. (laughs) Or kidding aside, because the mask comes off, whether it's your nose or you got a bad grill or whatever it is, you're 100% right. And time and time again, we'd be like, wow, she looks beautiful. And then, uh, of course, she's not, which is, by the way, very shallow, which we admit we are, me and Bernie. Me more than Bernie. I'll admit that. But uh, that's us. Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, you might have to resort to that kind of brute shallowness in order to get people to take these damn things off. Well, we'll find out today, I guess, from this Governor Kathy Hochul. Well, actually, we're going to find nothing out today. We know that the businesses, uh, where they force you to wear a mask inside a business, and I went over this story 
with you guys the last couple of days. Uh, my beautiful wife, Danielle, me, Columbus Circle Shops, Saturday afternoon, the security guard following me up the escalator, yelling at me. Some lady going down the escalator, yelling at me. I told her to shut up. First time Danielle saw me get that angry, and she didn't like it. Uh, but what was great about it was the very next door, West Elm Furniture, it was Danielle who got pissed off when the guy told me to put a mask on, which I did without saying a word. And I was going up the escalator, and we can hear him on his walkie-talkie say, basically, watch out for this guy. Make sure he's wearing a mask. And we got to the top of the escalator, and she said, let's go. I said, wait a second. You've been talking about all morning how excited you were to look at this furniture. I'm not going to spend a penny here. And so we got back on the escalator going down, and she got right in this guy's face, Danielle. She's beautiful, but she's tough. And uh, she ripped this guy a new a-hole for about five minutes. The guy was going to cry, I swear to God. And we bought nothing. And uh, that was our, our afternoon basically in New York City, getting yelled at and, and yelling at people and screaming and about these ridiculous masks. But I guess tomorrow the business mask mandate is over. It expires. And the conventional wisdom, the consensus is, is that Governor Hochul will allow that to happen. But we don't care about that. What we really care about is our kids. I still pick up my son Gabriel from school every day. 13 years old, just a beautiful, beautiful kid. And uh, this poor kid has to wear a mask all day long, all day long. It is absolutely ridiculous. Bernie calls it child abuse. I think he's right. I really do. And we're waiting on Kathy Hochul to get rid of those. Forget about the adults. I mean, if you're an adult, don't wear it. You know, and like, I don't wear it and I get yelled at. So what? Yell and scream all you want. What are you really going to do about it? You know, I'm not a tough guy, but what are you going to do about it? Uh, But for the kids, they got to take these damn things off. And I don't expect Kathy Hochul will announce that today. I guess she'll say businesses, that expires tomorrow. As for the kids, I guess we will uh, go back to that when we get back from President's Day break, which is sometime in March. So my guess is, and I have no information, that kids will still be wearing masks in schools. There's no reason for it. There's no science behind it until at least April. Do you have any insight onto this, Justin Ellick? I would, uh, uh, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. And I would think that even if she does away with the school uh, mask mandates, you're still going to have certain school districts that will try to implement their own sort of policy. Well, in Connecticut, I know, for example, the governor, Ned Lamont, said that he's going to allow the districts to make those decisions. And if it's a, a blue district, for example, then you're right. Then the kids will wear masks. And if it's not, then they won't. Uh, I don't like that because, again, I don't want to leave the decision up to folks that may, in fact, be liberal or, or left of, uh, you know, um, Stacey Abrams. I think there should just be one mandate, and that is that kids don't have to wear masks. Uh, but we've been over this. So i got to tell you, I'm so bored of all of it. I, I just, I love my job. I could never envision doing anything else. Never. I love my job. But uh, some of the stuff that we talk about is just, you, you'll, if you listen to this show long enough, you'll notice that you don't hear me for a while. And that's because I spend a couple of minutes every morning pondering whether to shoot my brains out or not. <laughs> I'm like, are we doing this again, really? Are we really going to say the same exact thing about Joe Biden again? about Andrew Cuomo again, about COVID again, about Kathy Hochul again, about Eric Adams again, about Alvin Bragg. Are we really going to do that? This is ridiculous. Thank you, AOC. Thank you. I'm a very creative guy. You know that. You guys can tell that. And uh, I like to discuss a variety of things. So I get bored very, very quickly. 
That's my problem, not yours. I know that you folks come here and you expect to hear something, and we do give that to you. But every now and then, I'll just kind of disappear. <laughs> you notice that, Justin? Oh, yeah, I notice it. Tell me about it. It's a, it's a uh, recurring uh, thing with well, you, and then i got to chase you down. Well, because, again, it's a, the, the, the COVID thing. I, God, Stacey Abrams is dope. I guess she apologized for sitting there maskless amongst the children. But Stacey Abrams was on with somebody yesterday. Oh, Aaron, Aaron Burnett, Burnett yeah. on CNN. Nobody watches that. That's 7 o'clock weeknights. I used to, I used to like Aaron. She was a, like a, she's a cute lady and smart lady, but well, whatever. It is what it is. So she says that her state of Georgia, that is not a place where kids can stop wearing masks anytime soon. If you missed it, here's Abrams, courtesy of CNN. Do you think it's time to, to lift these mask requirements in schools? Would you lift them if you were governor of Georgia? COVID hygiene is going to be a point of debate for a very hygiene. long time, and we can only follow the science and follow our circumstances. Unfortunately, in Georgia, we're not at a place where oh. that conversation is ready because we have one of the lowest vaccination rates in the country. Oh. We have 40 percent of our counties without general pediatricians, oh. and we've refused to expand Medicaid so so many families don't have access to health care. Oh. I believe that our job is to protect children, yeah. and I know that educators and parents have to balance protection right. and education, right. and that is a complicated issue. Is she done yet? Yeah, she just wrapped it up. Okay. She's so worried about the children. She's sitting there without a mask on, which I don't care because I think masks are stupid anyway, but if she's so worried about them, it's like uh, this Joe Scarborough. You know, he's a, a horrible person. Bernie and I know Joe Scarborough very, very well because back in the early 2000s, he used to beg, and I was there, he used to beg Bernie to come on the Imus show. And Imus would put Joe Scarborough on quite a bit, quite a bit. And, of course, uh, back in 2007, after the Rutgers scandal, when everybody got fired, now I was already hosting uh, a show down in Miami, and I kept that gig, obviously, so I wasn't fired, but Imus and and and, uh, Charles and and Bernie and Lou, they all got fired. And... um, They were on MSNBC. We were, I should say, every morning, and we were doing great. We were the number one cable news show every morning on MSNBC. And at the time, MSNBC was doing really, really well. Had guys like Chris Matthews doing well, Keith Olbermann doing very, very well. So when Imus got fired in 2007, he was replaced by this Joe Scarborough. Joe did some shows at WABC, too. I wasn't here. But uh, Bernie and Jill told me he did shows with Mika here at the radio station years ago when it was still a cumulus station. And everybody hated them there, too. But now they got this uh, this swill, this morning show on MSNBC. And it's uh, one of the worst shows that God ever created. Just a, a terrible, biased, agenda-driven mess. That's right, I said it. Thank you, Mark Levin. And then uh, here he is yesterday saying, like, people like Stacey Abrams, if you're a dem and you're going to yell and scream that we need mask mandates, then how about, oh, I don't know, wearing your mask? Oh, yeah, if there's a mask mandate, and especially if you put the mask mandate in place, wear a damn mask. It's not that hard. (laughs) Absolutely. And, you know, there are two things going on at once, right? One, there's a kind of virtue signaling. This is what you must do. This is We are the good people here. And the other is this kind of always, you know, this attempt, Joe, to keep track of hypocrisy, to keep track of contradictions. And once the hypocrisy or the contradiction is revealed, you now own them, right? So this, this, in order to avoid the latter, in order to avoid the emptiness of the former, just put on the damn mask. Just put on the damn mask. Say it, Justin. You'll feel liberated. Say it. Just put on the damn mask. Now say it in French. Um, 
Hello? Uh, Mikey, say it in Spanish. I like the amigo part at the end. That's my favorite part. Traffic and sports are coming up next, but right now it's the 77 WABC clip of the day. Listen to the Rita Cosby show. Who doesn't love Rita Cosby? Every weeknight at 10, right after Bill O'Reilly here, Rita talks about the Dems. Oh, and the Olympics. Remember when the Black Lives Matter folks were protesting in the streets? Oh, we have to remember human rights. We have to talk about that. What about being consistent? And now here it is in China. And, of course, you've got the Uyghurs with these horrible, horrible slave labor camps that are taking place. And you don't really hear very much from the Democratic Party. The message is basically be quiet, athletes. Go over there. Shut up. Don't criticize the Chinese regime and come home and have a good time. I mean, to me, that is the epitome of double standard. This is Sid on Sports. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers on 77 WABC. All right, not Sydney today, but Justin Ellick here with your bottom of the hour sports update. Sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Go to PeerlessBoilers.com or PavilionTankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built boilers. New York City basketball is plummeting so fast that fans aren't even given the time to grieve before another gut-wrenching night of losing basketball is dropped on their heads. The Knicks lost their fourth straight in Denver to the Nuggets last night, 132-115, to but it's the Brooklyn Nets who are really on life support as they lost their ninth straight game to the Boston Celtics at home without Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Kyrie Irving. Brooklyn just simply is not a competitive basketball team as the Celtics ran roughshod on a slew of Nets second-teamers by a score of 126-91. to Jalen Brown and Marcus Smart scored 22 points a pop for Boston, but it's safe to assume they would have had much more to contribute if they weren't pulled due to the route. The Nets will do their best at holding their skid at nine games come tomorrow night in Washington when they battle the Wizards at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time. Now for some better news on the ice last night as the Devils were able to snap their seven-game losing streak with a 7-1 shellacking of the Canadians in Montreal. Michael McLeod netted a pair for New Jersey, and John Gillies turned away 29-30 shots and route to the big win. The Devs will try and stay hot in St. Louis tomorrow night at 8 p.m. The Islanders are itching to get their second half of the season underway in Vancouver. They'll face off with the Canucks at 10.30 p.m. Eastern time tonight. As for the Rangers, they'll be twiddling their thumbs until next thir- next Tuesday excuse me, when they begin their second half push against the Boston Bruins at the Garden. And at last, Team USA has its first gold medal of the 2022 Olympic Games as snowboarder Lindsay Jacobellis claims the elusive medal Wednesday in the women's snowboard cross event. Here with your bottom of the hour sports update, I'm Justin Ellick on 77 WABC. Again, sponsored by Peerless Boilers and Pavilion Tankless Water Heaters. Go to peerlessboilers.com or paviliontankless.com for a dealer near you. Peerless Boilers, America's best built boilers with sports. I'm Justin. Chicago, 
Love me tomorrow, 641 on your Wednesday morning. I like this uh, girl, Tracy Alvino. I follow her. She has like a local radio show, I think, on Long Island. Like like, like a basement, I guess, in Smithtown or something. I don't know. Attractive lady, and she's got a picture up this morning of um, Kermit the Frog. And she asks the very important question as he again await this, uh, I guess, conference by Governor Kathy Hochul today. She asked the question, can we take our masks off when we smoke from our free crack pipes. <laughs> I mean, so this is a big story that uh, we did touch on yesterday, Bernie and me. In an effort to uh, make, uh, make life easier for drug addicts, well, they're going to uh, give out free crack pipes and give them a place to do their drugs. And, you know, look, uh, it's well publicized. I'm a recovering addict, and um, I've had difficulties. And, and when I tell you, look, I'll have difficulties the rest of my life. It's not gone, whether it's drugs or drinking or gambling, a host of other things. And it ain't easy. It ain't easy. Uh, so nine times out of ten, I am overly sympathetic towards the addict. Overly sympathetic. Yet I can't find an ounce, an ounce of sympathy for Hunter Biden. And I'll talk to Miranda Devine about this coming up at about 8.40 this morning. Tucker Carlson last night. I mean, I made a drive-by Tucker Carlson because I don't watch the Housewives anymore. So now I need to w- watch something else on these weeknights. And I ended up watching a great show on um, Channel 23, the ID channel, on uh, some murder mystery, which I happen to love. But I did uh, drive by Tucker Carlson, and he was talking about this topic, how crack pipes are going to be free. Uh, Joe Biden, of course, has no issue with that, despite many years ago... Joe Biden, very, very tough on the floor of Congress when it came to drugs and crack cocaine in particular. Now that his son likes to smoke rock, all of a sudden Joe Biden is not nearly as angry. Anyway, Tucker Carlson broke it all down last night. This is Tucker, courtesy of Fox News. With this new program, Joe Biden will finally close the crack gap. For too long in America, quality crack pipes have been the domain of rich white men like so much else. Here's the president's son, for example, smoking crack in bed at the Four Seasons. You'll notice the beautifully designed custom crack pipe. It's cooling bowl nestled in the high thread count Egyptian cotton sheets. When Hunter Biden smokes crack, he does it in style. But not everyone in this country is so fortunate. Try to toast some rock in West Baltimore sometime. You may have to make the pipe yourself from tinfoil or a broken car antenna. Our inner cities are pipe deserts. Talk about the new Jim Crow. Bull Connor would be proud. Bull Connor didn't think black people deserved new crack pipes. Joe Biden's going to change that. Joe Biden understands how essential narcotics are to the future of his party. If Democratic voters stop smoking crack, they might start thinking for themselves and become <laughs> Candace Owens or something. Can't have that. So it's new crack pipes for everyone. Then he went on to play the video and audio from the former Washington, D.C. mayor, one of the all-time greats, Marion Barry. You're too young to remember that, uh, Justin. Yeah, I have no clue that. Well, he was the mayor of D.C., and he was in some hotel room, I think with a hooker, I don't even know, and he was smoking crack, and he got caught. And he yelled and screamed, and he still did for years, that he was set up. 
I was set up. I was set up. I would venture to say that there are a lot more politicians out there that smoke crack oh, than, you would, than you would think. Oh, there's no doubt about it. There's no doubt about it. It doesn't stop at the bar. There are some that do heavy drugs and certainly prostitution. But you go to these Washington, D.C. bars and the politicians and, and big-time guys, you, you wouldn't believe what you see sitting at these bars. You wouldn't believe it. In fact, Norm Coleman, my first cousin, who was a senator for many years from the great state of Minnesota, he still has his apartment in Washington, D.C. He may or may not tell us about that. <laughs> it depends on whether the rest of my family is listening. But those guys, those politicians, they are the biggest degenerates God ever created. Forget about NFL players. Forget about anybody, porn stars. These politicians are the biggest degenerates you've ever met in your life. These Pound people for, are sick. Yes, thank you, President Trump. Oh, we want to get to President Trump. He was on yesterday with Maria Bartiromo. But again, getting back to the mask mandates, here's Dawn. She's in North Washington Bridge. She's our first phone call this morning. Good Wednesday morning, Dawn. How are you? Hey, good morning. How are you? I listen every day. Thank I was you. calling because... Um, Murphy said that there's no mask mandates as of the 7th, but I was talking to my son, and I'm like, aren't you glad that you're not going to be wearing a mask anymore? He's like, Mom, there's too much red tape. And sure enough, yesterday I got an email from the school that said that even though Murphy said it, they have to wait for the guidance from the CDC and from the New Jersey Department of Health. And they have to take a vote of the parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. The school board has to vote. Oh, yeah, and yeah. so I don't think this is happening anytime soon. Now, where is this? This is North North Washington Bridge. Where is that in Jersey? Where is that? No, no, no. I'm on the George Washington Bridge. Oh, okay. Yeah, you, have to, you have to understand. The guys that work for me are not that bright. So where do you live in Jersey? What part? Uh, Ringwood. Oh, where is that? Ringwood, North Jersey. Oh, yes, Ringwood. Okay, okay. So you're saying that despite Phil Murphy lifting the mask mandate that these schools and uh, specific institutions may still take their time and make it difficult and your child will not be maskless just yet. And you're obviously frustrated and you should be. Yeah. I mean, I'm frustrated. I say, if you want to wear it, if you feel comfortable, wear it. Right. And And if if you don't, then you don't have to. And that's exactly what I said, Dawn, to this uh, screaming lady on the escalator Saturday at the Columbus Circle shops. I'm like, Hey lady, you can wear that mask the rest of your life. You want to wear it for five years. You want to wear it for ten years. God bless you. You want to wear it in your own living room. You want to wear it wherever you outside. God bless you. Do what you want. But when will we get to the place in America, the land of the free, where people are going to tell me, stop telling me what to do? When are we going to get there? I don't care what you do. You can wear six masks for the rest of your life. It looks crappy. And it looks sick, especially when there's no science to back it up. But when are they going to stop telling me what to do? I don't listen anyway. Well, I mean, I would assume it would happen when you get these doofuses out of Washington. But who knows? Who knows? Talking about doofuses in Washington, this guy certainly wasn't. President 45 and hopefully 47. Hopefully he becomes the second Grover Alexander to actually win the presidency twice, but not consecutive terms. And that is Donald Trump. He was on yesterday with Maria Bartiromo, and he spoke on a bunch of different things. One of them was Nancy Pelosi. Did you watch Grant Stinchfield last night? 
Um, I am afraid to admit that I did not. No. Okay. Well, he's on Newsmax exposing Pelosi every night. She's worth a quarter of a billion dollars, made $30 million on some stock deal not that long ago. But anyway, she came out a couple of days ago. We talked about this, too, me and Bernie. And in the Laura Ingram spirit, LeBron James shut up and dribble. She basically said to the athletes in China at the Olympics, shut up and compete. I'm the best player in the world. That's right, LeBron. And uh, Donald Trump obviously didn't like that. So here was Trump with Maria Bartiromo, courtesy of Fox Business, on Nancy Pelosi yesterday. Sounds like she's petrified of China. I don't know if it's for economic reasons her own or what the reasons. But when you speak of China that way, they have you over a barrel. Uh, she makes it sound like uh, we're afraid of China. We're afraid to speak. Don't speak. Uh, this is just incredible. I, I heard that statement last night. Uh, that's not the way she talks to Republicans, I can tell you that. I can tell you that there's no question Nancy Pelosi is making money in China. That is the motivation. That is the agenda behind why she said that. He did go on, Trump, with Maria, talk about how he dealt with China and Putin and Russia and all those things. This is Donald Trump 14. I had a good relationship with Russia, but I had nothing to do with anything. I got along with Putin but it's a good thing to get it. You know, Maria, people don't really, it's a good thing to get along with these people, not a bad thing. And I had a great relationship with China. We made an incredible trade deal for the farmers, for the manufacturers. And then when COVID came along, I said, that's too much. That's, that is uh, just uh, taking it too far. What they've done with this COVID is a disaster for the world. There's never been anything like it. No question, Donald Trump. So there he talked about, of course, uh, China. He talked about Russia. May as well take it to Iran. We all know, of course, once Joe Biden won, here comes John Kerry. Here comes another crappy deal with Iran, something that Donald Trump, thank God, ripped up as soon as he won the presidency years and years ago. But he said if he would have won, there would have been a deal with Iran. It would have looked different. Here's Donald Trump on Iran. It's incredible. And now we're talking about giving them billions and billions of dollars. I had that one done, too. We would have had a deal with Iran. Well, that's Had right. the election not been rigged, we would have had a deal with Iran, Maria, within, within one week after the election. They were dying to make a what? deal. There you have it. By the way, Maria, shut up. Jeez. Let Trump talk. I mean, it's, got, it's the president we're talking about here. <laughs> president Trump, my God. But uh, very quickly there, you heard about Russia, you heard about China, you heard about Iran. Uh, something you don't hear about when Joe Biden speaks. When was the last time him or Jen Psaki stood up there and talked about their relationship, their plans, their deals, what they were going to do? Do you have any recollection of that, Justin? Any? No, I'm racking around my brain for it. And granted, my brain's not very big, but right. I'm racking around there you and go. I can't find it. All right. 1-800-848-WABC. 1-800-848-9222. About to wrap up our number one. Very exciting three hours about to come your way. The great Congressman Peter King. He's coming up after Bill O'Reilly's morning message in the 7 o'clock hour. 8 o'clock hour, you get a big, big hour. Norm Coleman, my cousin out of the great state of Minnesota, Lydia Reports, and New York Post columnist Miranda Devine. And in the 9 o'clock hour, you get Beach Sid and Wayne Allen Root on all the big bets in Sunday's game between the Rams and the Bengals. Very exciting three hours about to come your way. Keep it right here. It's Bernie and Sid on a hump day Wednesday only on Talk Radio 77 WABC.
Well, this is nauseating television, I guess. Uh, Al Sharpton, what does uh, Bernie call him? Ask Al Sharpton, or what's Bernie's nickname for Sharpton? Something as, I don't know. He met with the NFL commissioner, Roger, oh, excuse me, Roger hey Goodell. Hey now. Um, you know, they're talking about this uh, Rooney rule because this idiot, this Brian Flores, who spent three years as the coach at the Miami Dolphins. Mind you, he did have two winning seasons, but the Dolphins did not make the playoffs. It's not like Brian Flores went to Miami and won three Super Bowls. They didn't make the playoffs, not once. Um, and his boss, of course, is Stephen Ross, who I happen to like very, very much. New York real estate mogul, also owns Soul Cycle and uh, Equinox and a whole bunch of other stuff. And he fired Flores, and Flores went crazy, and now he's suing everybody. John Elway out in Denver, the Giants, the Dolphins. He filed this huge discrimination suit. So the commissioner, Roger Goodell, who's just a feckless coward, and I can't stand him, met with Al Sharpton, Sharpton complaining that the Rooney Rule was put in place 2003, 19 years ago, and yet the Rooney Rule, which actually mandates NFL teams to interview black coaches, hasn't exactly worked because right now there are two black coaches. I don't care. I don't care. There are no black owners, 32 teams, two black coaches. I don't care. Did you see what his uh – Law team said uh, they released a statement after um, who's law what's team? his name Lovey Smith was hired yesterday. Right, Lovey was hired in Houston instead of Brian Flores. Lovey's black, by the way. Good. Yeah, and they said he didn't. That he's happy that Lovey Smith got hired. Right, but he didn't get hired because he's now he's he's mad that he didn't get hired because he's speaking out against. Oh no, he's injustice. done. He's finished. He, he should never get a job again. He, he had no right to do what he did, Brian Flores. No right. I know he went to Poly Prep. He's a Brooklyn kid, but um, I think he's a jerk off. That's what I think. Four great guests about to come your way. Miranda Devine, Congressman Peter King, Norm Coleman, Wayne Allen Root. Hump Day Wednesday with your boy Sid Rosenberg. Hour two. Come on. Seventeen years by her side. Broke the same bread. Wore the same clothes and he said We're sisters with nothing between If one of us fall The other will soon be following Both of you fell the same day You don't know So the big story today is that Governor Hochul is expected to lift the mask mandate for businesses. It really is supposed to expire tomorrow, I guess. No way lifting anything. It's supposed to expire tomorrow, so it'll um that's it, it'll expire and um And that'll be that, huh? And that'll be that, that's right. Do we have that here? I don't even know. Do we have that at uh, WABC is I mean uh it's uh no. I, I mean we do, I guess technically there is a statewide, you know, mandate in businesses, but 
I mean, I, I think. Other, I mean, this, this uh, is the most confusing answer I've ever heard in my whole no, life. No, I, I mean, I, we're not, me and you aren't wearing masks right now. I know so. that, but you have to understand that when there was a, a really set in stone mask mandate, and everybody was wearing them, from John Katzenmatidis to Chad Lopez, I didn't wear it, and I wouldn't wear it, and it didn't matter how many emails Candace uh, put out, and they could have sent me home. I wasn't going to wear it because I, I was protesting this thing from the very. I've always been right. I've always been right. I've been more adamant about this than even my partner Bernie. Bernie. I was tagged along with me. But from day one, I was really, really angry about this. And I was never going to wear a mask. It didn't matter how many emails or what. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was right there with you. No, you um, weren't. Well, what do you, no, you sat there in the studio like a punk-ass sheep and wore a mask. No, I didn't. You and Meanie and uh, totally, all of you. You're totally lying. No, I'm not. You walked in in the morning. You had a mask on. Okay, maybe if I walked in in the morning. Oh, whatever. I've so? never sat here for four hours running this show with a mask Listen, on. Listen, tough guy. You came in with a mask on. That's all I know. I'm the tough guy? That's right. Even the guy downstairs tried to make me wear a mask one day. I'm like, no. Well, he used to do that. Back yeah. in the beginning, he used to yell at you. Correct. And, and now he just doesn't. Now even, he doesn't care yeah. anymore. Well, because he would yell at me and he would never get the results he wanted. I just wouldn't do it. I just wouldn't do it. You know, because I've, I, I've always believed the more people that comply with this, the more power you give these maniacs. And I have a feeling Mary Jane in Kingston on line five agrees with me. Good morning, Mary Jane. I do, and um, it's worse than that because apparently the governor wants to uh, have the authority to put whomever she pleases in quarantine camps. Um, it's oh, what is this? What do you say? Quarantine camps. Well, in quarantine, and um, it yeah. comes up, and she um, is giving people a. a period of time before the 14th to object to this and i guess you can call the uh you know speaker of the assembly but she's going right around um the assembly and just um declaring herself uh the queen well she is the queen that's the bottom line she wasn't voted in of course she replaced cuomo and um she's in charge she's got the power and it will remain that way until hopefully uh if god is good to us and usually god is lee zeldin or uh, Andrew Giuliani or Rob Astorino, any one of those folks, even though I am endorsing Lee, I'm endorsing Lee Stelton. I think Bernie's endorsing Rob Astorino. Curtis is endorsing Andrew Giuliani. But uh, at any rate, if one of those three wins, then everything will go completely the other way. Uh, all three have been on this show in the last couple of weeks, and all three, all three vowed that uh, when they win, if they win, they will fire Alvin Bragg right away. The governor has the power to do that, of course. But Hochul, despite talking tough a couple of weeks, I'm going to sit down with Alvin Bragg. And I told you back then she would never do it. Am I? I mean, look, I I get it. I'm a sports guy first, entertainment guy. I'm not the political genius on this show. That's Bernie. I get it. I'm not Sean Hannity. I'm not Tucker Carlson. I'm not Greg Kelly. But to be completely honest here, in all the months you've worked with me, Justin, have I not gotten everything right? Everything. You're, you're the smartest man alive. No, I'm being serious. I'm, I, not... I'm being serious. Everything right. Yeah. yeah everything. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, granted, these things are, to, to me and you, these things are common sense. Like these, these ideas that we have and these viewpoints that we um, possess, to us, they seem like common sense. So I don't, I don't know how difficult these ideas are for you to come up with. Right. So you just you, you gave me a compliment, but you felt like you right, had to I'm take not, some not, of it back. Right, exactly. I'm not right. giving you, like, Such full credit. I'm giving you, like, a, a, just... a 72%. <laughs> okay, I'll take it. So Biden was talking yesterday about the Supreme Court. You know, we have to uh, replace somebody here very, very shortly, Breyer. And um, while he's talking about a black woman, 
We do that a lot these days, whether it's Eric Adams. He was going to name a woman the police commissioner. Turned out to be a black woman, and it turned out to be a phenomenal choice. I am so in love with Keyshawn Shule, I can't begin to tell you. And you know that I went to Jason Rivera's funeral. When I got back that Friday morning, all I talked about was her. Now, obviously, his brother and his wife made me cry, but in terms of uh, public officials, and that day Eric Adams spoke, eh, Patrick Lynch spoke. I like Patty, yells, he screams, but she is just an amazing woman. So even though Eric Adams did exactly what Biden is doing right now, which I don't really like, I don't like when you decide beforehand it's got to be some gender, got to be some race. I don't like it. Let's get the right person for the job. I don't care that there are two black coaches in the NFL if there's only two guys who can coach. Now, if there's 10 guys out there that are great coaches and they're not getting hired because they're black, that's a different story. Then you've got a reason to bitch and gripe. But if it's not, the, I don't care. I don't care how many women, how many blacks, how many Asians, how many Jews. I don't care. I'm sick of it. And uh, here's Joe Biden talking about the next Supreme Court justice will be a black woman. Cut one. I've made no decision except one. The person I will nominate will be someone with extraordinary qualifications character, experience, and integrity. And that person will be the first black woman ever nominated to the United States Supreme Court. Fantastic. Is she going to be competent? Is she going to be good? Who cares? Black woman, white woman, black guy, white guy, one leg, two legs, eight fingers, ten fingers. Who cares? Do you care? No, I don't really care. I'm with you. I think I'm texting they... Danielle, so just talk for a second. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think it should. You're right. It should be the most qualified person, uh, you know, to make a, a decision based on one person's, you know, one quality of a certain person or one characteristic, I think, is short-sighted. But uh, what do I know? Keep talking. I'm still texting Danielle. Yeah, what are you talking about? Don't worry about it. It's you. We're talking about you. Yeah, how great of a job I'm doing. Justin, yeah. you're so nosy. She, she actually is a big fan of yours, and Danielle knows this business well. She has, uh, God, for the 20-plus years I've been in this, she's come home and said, this guy's no good, this guy's good. She's been right about everybody, everybody, and she uh, seems to like you, Justin. Well, tell her I said thank you very much. I'm not going to tell her anything. Here is uh, Sean on Staten Island talking about masks and kids and schools and Kathy Hochul. Good morning, Sean. Good morning, Sid. Uh, yeah, uh, the, 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 the masks are making the kids sick. I know my children, we all know they catch colds every once in a while. They're in, they're in a cesspool in the classroom. But they're not breathing the stuff out. And I look on the inside of the mask, and I see the, the, the matter that's there. Yeah. My, my son has this deep cough, and yep. they don't even know what it is. And I said, it's because he's wearing this mask. Do I have to pull him out of school? What's going on here? Uh, listen, uh, <laughs> I think it'll be over in a couple of months. Again, the business mask mandate lifted uh, tomorrow. That'll be over. Uh, uh, again, I think she's going to wait till after President's Day break, maybe March, maybe April. The schools will follow suit, and it'll be over. But I'm with you. My son, the same thing. And uh, I walk him home from school most nights. He's in drama now. And we're about three blocks in, and I don't even realize it. I'm like, hey, take your mask off. Kid can't breathe. He gets a rash once in a while on his chin. It's awful. But we've been over this so many times. I mean, we know this already. And it just doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. Miranda Devine will join us at 840. She is a great columnist for the New York Post. And again, one of the five folks who wrote a blurb for my upcoming book, Citizens United. But she uh, did a story yesterday on Hunter Biden and uh, got more details on his deals in China. Hunter Biden, you want to talk about... <laughs> And I talked about this earlier. Nine times out of ten, I am very sympathetic towards the addict. I'm an addict myself. He, I cannot muster any sympathy 
for Hunter Biden. He is a scumbag with a capital S. It's actually a little bit impressive to notice how much he's gotten away with all while being high on crack. That's true. That's a good point. Here's Donnie in Brooklyn. He wants to talk more about Hunter Biden. Good morning, Donnie. So, Tommy, how you doing, Sid? And um, Bernie, if you're listening, get well soon. God bless. And to the other guy that's with you, I didn't hear his name, so hello to you as well. Okay. I was just wondering why the laptop hasn't been released to the public to see. Is it that they are building a case again and that they, they don't want to taint the public, or has it been verified, you know? And, and I'm, you know, it's not a hoax, right? No, it's not a hoax. Those laptops, I believe there's more than one. Uh, they do exist. There is stuff on those laptops that is awful, to say the least, awful. Rudy Giuliani did a very good job of exposing a lot of that uh, months and months ago. So did uh, television talents like Tucker Carlson and newspaper columnists like Miranda Devine. But, and, and I'll talk about this with Miranda coming at 840. They don't care. <laughs> Nobody seems to care. You know, for consecutive nights, Tucker Carlson on Fox News had Tony Bablinski on. I mean, he gave all this detailed information about all the business dealings Hunter was doing in China and the Ukraine, his uncle, his father. Nobody cares. Nobody cares that Hunter Biden smokes crack or that he, um, you know, he was banging his, his dead brother's wife, which is about as gross as anything anyone can do. I say this all the time at the risk, again, of, at repetition. If Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr., did one-tenth, one-tenth of what Hunter Biden has done, you would never hear the end of it. It would be wall-to-wall coverage from Inside Edition to Extra to the Bravo Channel to every news network all over the world. But Hunter Biden? No one seems to care. You're fired. Here's John in Saddle River, line three. Good morning, Johnny. Good morning, Sid. You know, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, Governor McTooth over here in New Jersey uh, lifted the uh, mask mandate, but he's such a coward and, and in typical cowardice. He allows the Board of Education to make the decision instead of saying we will no longer have masks because he was called on the carpet by uh, Jake the Snake over there at CNN. You know things are bad when CNN is asking him the tough questions. And, uh, you know, the reason why there's no, there's no data is because, they're, you know, they can't provide any data. There's not one statistical. Uh, we lost them. There's not one statistic that can't provide any data. And that's true. There is no scientific data. Uh, they have no way to prove any of their policies, any of their actions. We know that. And um, it didn't stop them. But, uh, again, it looks like uh, what is the exact date on New Jersey? When uh, when all that is gone, the mandates on uh, the mass stuff, I should say, do you know? I want to say I want to say the end of Feb- February 28th, I believe. The end of February? Yeah, February okay. 28th. All right. Thank you for that, Justin. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. We'll leave the phones open all morning long. Bernie's not here till Monday. Good chance for you guys to uh, jump in. If you'd like, and uh, comment here on the program. We have Bill O'Reilly's morning message coming up next. And then the great Congressman Peter King making his weekly Wednesday morning stop right here on Bernie and Sid. An exciting 7 a.m. hour continues right here on Bernie and Sid in the morning on Talk Radio 77 WABC. 
Bill O'Reilly here, and I'm warming up from the NRIA.net studios in New York. Stand by for the O'Reilly Update Morning Edition. On this Wednesday, I watched an interesting piece of history last night in the form of the 1967 film Guess Who's Coming to Dinner. The classic stars Katherine Hepburn and Spencer Tracy as liberal parents were facing their daughter wanting to marry a black man in the fast-changing 60s. Directed by Stanley Kramer, the film was nominated for Best Picture, but lost to another race-themed movie, In the Heat of the Night. Incredibly, Sidney Poitier appeared in both films and was nominated for Best Actor for playing Detective Virgil Tibbs in Heat. Poitier lost to Rod Steiger, who played the racist sheriff in that crime drama. Previously, Poitier had won the Best Actor Oscar for Lilies of the Field. Now, what strikes me 55 years after both Heat and Guess were made is the anti-racist messages that were so finely crafted and, I believed moved audiences all over the world. In Guess, Spencer Tracy is phenomenal. He was dying during the shoot, and everybody knew it. Tracy passed away two weeks after the film wrapped. His monologue at the end crushes bigotry in a way seldom seen. Sidney Poitier was so enthralled with Tracy, he couldn't remember his lines and had to reshoot his dialogue after the acting legend left the set. The point here is that most Americans are not racist and will respond to pleas for fairness and unity. But this country will never achieve racial harmony through violence or misguided favoritism that seeks to disadvantage others. That is the morning O'Reilly update. More analysis later on. Wednesday morning, Bernie and Sid. Bernie out till Monday. Round two of chemotherapy at Sloan Kettering starting today. He's in good spirits. He feels strong. And he'll be back on Monday. And as they always say, the show's at its best when my partner is uh, sitting next to me. But when he's not here, it's still great. Because the rest of you guys come up big every time. Whether it's Justin Ellick, Luke Legrano, Frankie Diaz, Mike Garcia, Christina. All you guys are great. So the cover of today's New York Post is... Great. Well, uh, when was Michael Rappaport on? My uh, my dear friend, the actor Michael Rappaport. Uh, not last week, but uh, maybe the week, the week before. before. Yeah, yeah, I know you folks hate him. I don't care. He's a great guy. He's a great actor. Um, I don't agree with a lot of his politics, but he's been in studio with me, and you guys heard him say that despite what he says on his Instagram and despite how he's viewed by the conservatives, he actually liked a lot of Donald Trump policies. 
you did say that on this microphone right in front of me. You hear, you heard that, right, Justin? I heard it last year. Yes, you did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And he doesn't like a lot what's going on with the Democrats. And he had this whole thing a couple of weeks ago where he lives on the Upper East Side, you know, Mike. And he saw somebody rob one of those uh, Rite Aid stores blind and followed the guy out. And it became a big story, New York Post and blah, blah, blah. And we had him on the next day, and he was great. Well, the cover of today's New York Post is in the same spirit. It says, Hamburglar. Remember that guy, the other Hamburglar? Was that the Burger King, right? The weird-looking so. guy with a... I, I uh, think so. Yeah. I mean, he was one of either brother, Burger King or McDonald's. No, it was, it was Burger King. And it says, a shoplifter walks out of store with 10 steaks and no one stops him. Crime is up in 72 of 77 New York City police precincts. I mean, what is Eric Adams... What is Alvin Bragg? What is Kathy Hochul? What are these goddamn people doing? Tell me what they're doing. They're worrying about masks? Little kids in school? That's what they're worried about? I'm not saying that stealing steaks is like uh, raping um, a woman or murdering somebody in cold blood, but, Mike, it's embarrassing already. You know this uh, guy that Bernie loves is Senator John Kennedy out of the great state of Louisiana? He was talking yesterday about how Democrats feel about what's going on with crime up in every major city, but really up here in New York. This is a John Kennedy 8, and I think he broke it down pretty correctly. Here's J.K. I don't think when moms and dads lie down at night in America and can't sleep, they're worried about clean injection sites and sterile crack pipes. Oh my God. The issue, Mr. President, is crime. The issue, Mr. President is how to stop it, not how to encourage it. Now, why has crime gone up? I know it's complicated, but I'll tell you a big reason. Um, Wokeism now runs in the Democratic family. It practically gallops. And most, not all, but most of our large urban areas are run by woke Democrats. And wokers believe that the criminal is a victim. Wokers believe that when a criminal commits a crime, it's not the criminal's fault. It's the fault of an unfair world. And Wokers believe that punishment and prisons and cops just make things worse. That guy, John Kennedy, is, you know, you hate using this word for a man, especially a man his age. But I'm going to use it anyway. He's adorable. Like, he is absolutely adorable. Yeah, I would I would use the same exact adjective. <laughs> He's the absolute best. John Kennedy. They believe the Democrats, it's an unfair world. It's the criminal that's being treated unfairly, not the cops and not the everyday citizen who has to worry every time he walks out. And what are they worried about? Again, masks, clean injection sites. Get yourself a uh, get yourself a nice little crack pipe. I know we played this last hour, but it's worth playing again, being that John Kennedy did bring up crack pipes there. This was Tucker Carlson last night on Fox News talking about that exact subject, crack pipes in America. With this new program, Joe Biden will finally close the crack gap. For too long in America, quality crack pipes have been the domain of rich white men like so much else. Here's the president's son, for example, smoking crack in bed at the Four Seasons. You'll notice the beautifully designed custom crack pipe. It's cooling bowl nestled in the high thread count Egyptian cotton sheets. When Hunter Biden smokes crack, he does it in style. But not everyone in this country is so fortunate. 
try to tow some rock in West Baltimore sometime. You may have to make the pipe yourself from tinfoil or a broken car antenna. Our inner cities are pipe deserts. Talk about the new Jim Crow. Bull Connor would be proud. Bull Connor didn't think black people deserved new crack pipes. Joe Biden's going to change that. Joe Biden understands how essential narcotics are to the future of his party. If Democratic voters stop smoking crack, they might start thinking for themselves and become <laughs> Candace Owens or something. Oh, my God. Can't have that. No. So it's new crack pipes for everyone. <laughs> That's Tucker Carlson. He is a genius. 8 p.m. weeknights on Fox News. Coming up next, talking about geniuses, we love this guy, Congressman Peter King, and he will opine on a, a bunch of topics. I know I got a bad reputation. And it isn't just talk, talk, talk. If I could only give you everything you know I haven't got. Seven forty on your Wednesday morning. Here comes a nice run for you of uh, really good guests. Eight oh five. Norm Coleman, my my cousin, the great senator from the state of Minnesota. Lydia reports at eight twenty five. Eight forty. Miranda Devine, New York Post. But we start right now with a guy that's on this time every Wednesday at this time because he's great. He spent the better part of uh, about four decades as a great congressman out on Long Island, and is a dear friend of uh, both mine and Bernie. And, of course, has his own show, I believe, on the FM dial on Saturday afternoons with the judge. And he is the very smart and very talented congressman, Peter King. Pete, good morning, buddy. How are you? Sid, always great talking to you. And listen, i got to correct one thing. Otherwise, the judge will be mad at me. The show is also on Sunday morning at 6 o'clock on WABC. So it's Saturday afternoon on WLIR at 4 o'clock. And Sunday morning, it's repeated at 6 o'clock on uh, WABC. So uh, wow. otherwise, Judge Weinberg will be all over me and he'll... Hold me in contempt. I used to go after your wife. Uh, he yelled, I know. He yelled at Danielle every time. He, he refuses to admit that. He's just like Alvin Bragg, but he, he did do it. <laughs> you know, one thing, Peter, before we get to the Alvin Bragg stuff and all that, sure. we did not cover this a couple of weeks ago, and it's been bothering me. Being uh, When I think of the Islanders, I think of you. Because you signed that lease at the Nassau Coliseum. We had Michael Rosione on, uh, on yesterday. He was talking about Kenny Morrow. Morrow went on to win four cups with the Islanders. You're Mr. New York Islander. We lost Clark Gillies two weeks ago. That must have been a big deal for you. Yeah, it was. In fact, I had uh, been talking with Clark Gillies the night the uh, uh, Islanders opened at the new arena, and he looked oh. great. He seemed in great shape. You know, we spoke for a few minutes. Uh, I didn't know him well. We knew each other well enough that any time we'd see each other, we'd stop and talk for a while. No, and he took a nice picture of my grand with my son. Uh, again, he, he seemed great, and he had none of the uh, traits that sometimes somebody has when they're sick or they're having trouble, like he, he looked perfectly in great good health. He looked like he had another good 30 or 40 years in him. So wow. no, that was it. And by the way, Clark Gillies was a great guy. That was true of a number of those Islanders. They stayed living on Long Island. Clark Gillies was involved in so many different charities. I know he was involved with uh, 9-11, with kids groups. Uh, he was just great. He was just a great guy. Uh, he'd really want you, you know, what you would want in a neighbor, in a friend. 
and a great, great face of the uh, New York Islanders. But he and uh, you got your Brian Trottier, Mike Bobby Nice, Bobby Nice from still lives on Long Island, uh, a great guy. Uh, no, they were really wonderful, you know, wonderful people. They were the, really the golden years of hockey. And also, you know, not to give myself too much credit, because there's about eight other names on that uh, lease, too, back in 1972, I guess it was. We signed it, yeah. At that time, uh, Roy Bowe on the uh, yeah. New York and yep. Uh, yep. Islanders, and also the Nets he owns. Oh, that's right. traded away Julius Serving. That's right. Julius Serving was on that team. That's true. Uh, those were the golden years, no doubt. So when Clark Gillies did pass away, God rest his soul, I did think about you, Peter. Uh, and that was the same night that uh, uh, the detective uh, uh, was shot in Harlem, Jason Rivera and uh, 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 Mora. Same night that they were shot, Clark Gillies died you know, right around the same time. Oh, that Friday night. Wow, that yeah. Friday night in Harlem. That's right. It was the same night. Maybe that's why it kind of got glossed over because he did deserve his day in the sun. He was, you know, again, they had all those skillful players. You mentioned Bossy and Trottier and Yari, uh, Yari Curry. Excuse me. Uh, they had uh, the, the goalie, Billy Smith. But these tough guys, you know, guys like uh, Clark Gillies and Bobby Nystrom and uh, Butch Goring, uh, those guys certainly uh, put a beating on you. And uh, that was a, a great team. And God rest his soul, Clark Gillies. Let's get to the, the issue at hand on yeah. your Instagram yet. Yesterday, you talked about Alvin Bragg, and you said, listen, this guy came out. He said, we're not going to prosecute anybody unless you kill somebody or rape somebody. You can basically do whatever you want. Now he's done a bit, a bit of a 180. He said, well, if you rob a store with a gun, you're going to be in trouble. But on your Instagram, I thought it was very smart. You said, let's make sure, let's make sure that Alvin Bragg keeps his word and is more like he was last week than he was a month and a half ago. You didn't seem to be all that confident that was going to be the case. No, I'm not. He was, he was backing down to pressure, uh, but I just feel that the first opportunity, or even he may not even be aware of it. I mean, that seems to be in his blood. He is a, like a, a lifelong progressive. Owner. He was a progressive before there were progressives. So that, that's what he's wanted to do for his whole legal career, to go easy on crime, to somehow blame the cops, to say, as uh, you know, Senator Kennedy said before, that the problem can't be the person himself, can't be the, uh, you know, the criminal himself, there's always somebody else. So I think Alvin Bragg, in some ways, I don't know if he can help himself, but it's important to watch him, stay on him, because let's face it, Governor Hoko is not going to remove him, but the, but, you know, the stronger the case we can make against him, the better it's going to be. And watch him, because, again, he did back down now under pressure. I think he'll try and get away with it again unless we keep the pressure on him. Let's handicap what you think Governor Hochul is going to say today. We know that the business mask mandate is set to expire tomorrow. I think so. Let it expire. I think businesses will go maskless. Uh, but the bigger question is our kids, like my son Gabriel, still wearing a mask in school. When is that going to change? What do you think? Yeah, listen, I have not been as opposed to masks overall as you have. But listen, the time for them is long gone. With kids, I don't know if, if it ever served a purpose with school kids to have them wearing masks. This should have ended months ago, if not a year ago. Uh, so I think, though, she can't look like she's backing down to Bruce Blakeman because Bruce has really been out front on this. He, really, he was the one who really, really went out and made a, uh, a total war out of this. I've got to give you credit there because you came on and you touted Ann Donnelly uh, over Kaminsky, and you really did tout Blakeman over Cornyn. And I still like Laura. I like her a lot. But you were right. This Bruce Blakeman, he is no joke. No, I, I, I thought you know, Bruce was a great candidate, and like you, I, I had a tremendous respect for Laura Curran. I still consider her a very good friend, but I said all along that Bruce was a very, very good candidate when the media and others were sort of running him down. I, I think uh, Kathy Hochul will probably say the kids have to wear the mask until a certain date, and then she's going to restudy it. Uh, otherwise, it looks like she's giving in to Blakeman. She's just following with uh, Governor Murphy in Jersey. 
So I, I think she's going to delay it a bit longer. But she, you know, she has to change on this. I mean, it's really, it's really damaging to kids. Listen, to adults, maybe it's annoying to wear a mask. Who needs it? But when it comes to kids, I think it's having a severe psychological impact. We can end up losing a generation because of this. I mean, so much when you're a kid is facial expression, having contact. Now kids walking around with masks. Also, it makes them a bunch of... Uh, uh, just you're scared of their own life. Just, uh, you're, you're raising a generation of kids who are going to grow up scared. They're going to be hypochondriacs. They're going to see a disease or a, uh, illness anywhere they go. So they have to, you have to toughen kids up. And from all the numbers you see, all the stats you see, the danger to kids is absolutely minimal. If they don't wear a mask, if they do wear it, I think you'll see more and more psychological, severe psycho, psychological reactions which are going to spill over into uh, physical reactions. Now, being you were such a uh, great uh, man when it came to the Homeland Security, uh, let's take this thing overseas now. Ukraine, Russia, still a huge conversation. A lot of folks, of course, think that Putin and Biden, that's, that's an unfair fight, let's be honest. But Biden didn't come out and say, let me tell you something, if Russia invades Ukraine, if they do that, I'm going to suspend the pipeline operations, which he never should have allowed in the first place, and he should have kept the keystone going here absolutely. in this country. Absolutely is right. But uh, what do you think about uh, Joe Biden's latest threat for Putin and the Russians? Well, the problem is I don't think the Russians take him that seriously. I don't think we'd be having this issue with uh, Ukraine to this level if, if, if it weren't for Afghanistan. I think that they saw weakness in Afghanistan. They saw weakness and came to dealing with Iran, and the Putin felt that this was his time to move. And uh, listen, I think it is significant over there because it's more than Ukraine that's involved. You see now Russia is allying itself, aligning itself with China. China is expanding everywhere economically. They're uh, threatening uh, militarily. And if Russia can take Ukraine, that's going to give them such a hold over Europe because countries like Germany, you know, they're not going to continue to stand up to Russia economically. Russia will turn off their energy. And that's, again, why it was so self-defeating and so self-destructive for President Trump to uh, cancel our pipeline, to allow the uh, uh, you know, Russian pipeline to go through. And uh, that takes us from energy independence to dependence, but also it made the rest of the world uh, more dependent on Russia, which builds up their economy at our expense. The whole thing was madness. So, listen, I think it's important to stand with the president during the foreign crisis. Uh, I think the weakness right now, though, is in countries like Russia, don't think he's for real. Now, listen, if they do get it, and also Russia, uh, NATO, NATO to a large extent, uh, when it comes to NATO, there's really two or three countries that you know, you know, do much at all. The rest of them just sort of talk, and they uh, maybe talk a good game, not even talk a good game. So uh, this is going to be tough. And listen, Donald Trump, whatever false people say he had, nobody messed with him. Nobody moved troops anywhere when Donald Trump was the president. That's true. All the talk about how uh, Putin had Trump under his uh, thumb and all that stuff, first of all, it was nonsense to begin with. But even just looking at the record, I mean, he gave the Ukrainians uh, the strong uh, defensive weapons, and Putin didn't move an inch when Donald Trump was the president. I want to ask you one more question about Nancy Pelosi. You know, Newsmax did a whole uh, expose on her a couple nights ago, and it uh, turns out she's worth about a quarter of a billion, quarter of a billion dollars, made about $30 million on a stock deal a couple of weeks ago. Her son has been making tons and tons of money, too, both, I guess, under investigation. And she comes out and tells the Olympians uh, in China, just play the games, basically, and shut up. In the spirit of Laura Ingram, right, shut up and dribble. Just play the games and uh, and shut up. People are trying to figure out what her motivation is, why she would say something like that. That. She said, oh, I'm worried for their safety. We know that's not true. What do you think Nancy Pelosi's motivation is making that comment? I, I think basically uh, she is very liberal. 
She uh, doesn't want to have a chance of any kind of trouble. And uh, as far as her investments, I mean, I've known Nancy Pelosi long before she was speaker. Her husband is a very successful developer. I mean, I've known him, again, only in, in, you know, in, in Congress, at different uh, uh, social meetings. So, again, that's up to somebody else to investigate. Uh, but as far as – this is typical, I think, of the Nancy Pelosi philosophy of don't antagonize people except Donald Trump and Republicans. But other than that, right. uh, she, you know, she's willing to go along with uh, – uh, you know, don't offend China. Don't offend anyone. And uh, uh, it, she always projects weakness rather than strength when it comes to foreign policy. On the way out, one more time, Peter King, after another great appearance. You're so magnificent on this show. Promote your uh, Saturday afternoon and Sunday morning shows with the judge. Yeah, uh, Judge Weinberg is a great guy. It's on uh, 4 p.m. on Saturdays with uh, on WLIR 107.1 FM. And Sunday morning on WABC, 77 a.m., our guest this week is Kevin McCaffrey, who's the presiding officer of the Suffolk County uh, Legislature. And also, let me tell you, I, I listened to Bo Deedle on your show yesterday. That, that guy is phenomenal. Uh, more people have to make more use of Bo. Again, it's great to hear him on radio, but also one-on-one meeting with him, I, I think, is a real plus to find out what should be done as far as fighting crime in this city. Well, he has actually volunteered. Uh, he, he called out Eric Adams. Didn't call him out in a bad way. He said, Eric, if you need me, if you want me, I am here to help this city. So to your point, Peter King, he has volunteered his services. He has not yet heard from Eric Adams. You're both great. Both great. You're great. Thank you again for a great Wednesday morning appearance. Have a great week. We'll talk again said, soon. You too. Thank you, buddy. Bernie next week. Uh, you yeah. the man. There he is. Peter King, everybody. The great Congressman out of Long Island as we start a roll of big name guests, Norm Coleman, Lydia Reports, and Miranda Devine, all coming your way on this Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid. Peter King is so great. Whether you're talking about the national security stuff all his years, homeland security, or the local stuff, he's just great. And he's a big sports fan. I love that, too. I love that about Bill O'Reilly, too. Islander fan, big Met fan, Peter King. And we found out today that Old Timers Day, I used to love Old Timers Day. When I was a kid, there were two days I loved in baseball. One was, it used to be called the Mayor's Trophy Game. And the Mayor's Trophy Game was the only time the Mets would play the Yankees because they never would play in a World Series because the Mets were never good enough, and there was no interleague play. So every year before the start of the regular season, they would play this Mayor's Trophy game where the Mets would play the Yanks. Now it's all watered down because of interleague play. Mets play the Yankees every year anyway, the Subway Series. They take the train. to the It's stupid. Uh, we did have the World Series in 2022 years ago, which was incredibly exciting. I'm in this city I was actually working at WNEW doing the morning show. And I came to town with a guy named Scott Kaplan. And uh, they got rid of Kaplan. And Scott and I are still friends to this day. He's terrific. He's out in San Diego. And eventually, I convinced the program director, Jeremy Coleman, to hire Craig Carton as my co-host. And Craig was my co-host. In fact, we covered that Super Bowl together when the Giants got blown out in Tampa by the Baltimore Ravens. Kerry Collins had a brutal day. And um, I was at WNEW, and next thing you know, you got a um, you got a Subway Series. 
I mean, yeah. I remember meeting Mark Chernoff, who is now retired, but he's a radio legend, the program director at the time at FAN at uh, Rockefeller Center, where Mike and the Mayor Dog or somebody, they were doing an outdoor show leading up to the Mets and Yanks. And we, we hit it off pretty well. And then, of course, when WNEW decided not to bring me back, FAN brought me in. You know the rest is history. But it was so exciting. And then right after that, you had 9-11. And uh, things really went crazy. And the Yankees, of course, made the World Series that year, too, and lost to the Arizona Diamondbacks on that Mariana Rivera play, blah, blah, blah. But um, the Mets are bringing back old-timers day, my second favorite day, outside of the Mayor's Trophy game. And some of the names I've seen already include Bud Harrelson. Bud Harrelson managed the Long Island Ducks for a while. I think the Ducks are in the same league as uh, our team, right? The Staten Island Ferry Hawks. Do we know that? Uh, not for sure, but I think we can they definitely are. get that information for yeah, you. Yeah, I think they are. Find that out. Bud was the manager there for many, many years. Cleon Jones is like a 1,000 years old. He's going to be there. Yeah, I see any other names, guys. Of uh, Oh, I saw uh, Daniel Murphy. He's going to be there. Wait, the Dan Murphy, like the second baseman Daniel Murphy? That's correct. Went on to have big years in Washington and Colorado. That guy. You know how old he is. He's not that old. No, he's not that old. In his 30s. I just realized, Sid, I have not been alive for a Mets old-timers day yet. No, you have not. This will be the first one. August 27th. Yes, the Long Island Ducks are in the same league, the Atlantic League. Atlantic League, there you have it. So, Anyway, August 27th. City Field, Mets and Rockies old-timers day is back. Dem's got the news, then my cousin. Norm Coleman on the other side Wednesday here on Bernie and Sid. going. Who doesn't love Purple Rain? 804 on your Wednesday morning. Gets a little lame, of course. My first cousin, Norm Coleman, who I love dearly and I'm so proud of. Eight years as the mayor in St. Paul, senator from the great state of Minnesota. Certainly loves Prince. He's actually been to his uh, palatial estate. So every time I bring Norm in now, I play Purple Rain and it's lame, but is it, I don't know, Norm, is it lame if I, if I play Purple Rain every time I bring you in? Is that lame or cool? No, you know, it's good, but actually you should play Times Zero Changing, you know, because I was a product of the 60s. And then when I had my own radio show at House University, that was my theme song and uh, the song of my generation. But see, that was so long ago. I guess Purple Rain's okay. Well, we'll play that next time, though. Times are changing for Norm Coleman. Yeah, Bob Dylan, Robert, Robert Zinman, a Jewish kid from, from Hibbing, you know, Minnesota. I know. Couldn't, couldn't have a better connection. Right, that's amazing. You get Bob Dylan and Prince and Fran Tarkenton. Who could have thunk that? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Bernie's not here today. Uh, Bernie is uh, at Sloan Kettering. He's got aggressive prostate cancer, and he is oh. now on his second round of chemotherapy, and he's going for... You're not talking about one day at a time. You're talking about three days at a time. Uh, he loves you, of course. He loves when you're on the show when he's here. 
and you are a brave, courageous survivor yourself. So he's uh, well, he's yep. he's going through it, Norm, as they say. He's going through it. You know, when you and I'm listen, I get my treatments every every three weeks at I'm immunotherapy. I'm I'm past the curve now. I'm I'm uh, I'm on this two years since they took out my lung after the cancer going from my neck to my to my to my lung. Uh, and so, but every three weeks I get my treatment. Every three months I, I get a scan, and and it's it's kind of like that scene in in, uh, in Gladiator, Commodus. You know, he's in the arena, and he gives either a thumbs up or a thumbs down. The doctors right. come in the room; it's either thumbs. Up. If if there's a if there's a furrowed brow, you know you're in deep trouble right. when they come in. So, so uh, but but I for me uh, at this point they don't know how long it lasts. They don't have any data, uh, you know, for the treatment that I get. And so as long as I keep doing it and. Side effects are minimal. You just keep moving forward. But uh, look, Bernie, it's you know in my thoughts and prayers. But I have to say, so when you go through this, it it's, it's kind of takes like a, a a filter off your eyes. You kind of see the world in in a different way. I mean, I, I and I mean this sincerely, Jesus. I truly kind of grasp every day in a way that I never did before. Yeah. And, and, yeah. I, and I understand all those who are, every time I give a, a presentation, to be advanced, how many people have somebody who's touched by cancer and just about every hand goes up, yep. you know? And, and yeah. so it's there, we're all touched by it and, and you see the world and your life in a different place. And, you know, in, in a way that's not all bad. That's maybe we treasure more of the moments we have as a result of going through that. So I think, I, I, I think it's a great thing. I, I can tell you that, you know, listen, I've been friends with Bernard going back to 2000. So we're going on 22 years. And we had those four magical years together between 2001 and 2005 working on IMIS when we created this relationship, which, yeah. which now has, has become this. But I do have to tell you, Norm, to your point, that I've never, ever been closer to Bernie that I've been for the last couple of months. He leans on me, and I lean on him, quite frankly, during this time. So to your point, uh, we are looking at things differently. We do cherish the time we've got together. Even There could be 25 more years. Who knows? But to, uh, we, we are, are definitely little blessings. Dude. Right. Those, that's those right. Those are little blessings that come out of potential, you know, sadness and other things. That's so, right. You know, seize, seize the time, seize the blessings. You know, thank God for what you have. Senator Norm Coleman, my first cousin, who I love dearly, uh, here on the phone with us this morning. He could be in any, it could be Florida, it could be Minnesota, it could be Virginia, who knows. But uh, <laughs> he's anyway. But, I'm in Washington, D.C. today. Yo, you're in D.C. Okay, great. You're right down yeah. the block from your friend Joe. You know, it's amazing, Norm, because you're a Republican now, obviously, but you were a Democrat early in your career. And when you were a Democrat, I don't want to say the party was normal. But certainly compared to what they are now, they were normal. You know, listen, I know a lot of Jews in Brooklyn who are Democrats that can no longer, no longer identify as that these days. When you think about the fact there was a time when you were a Democrat and you look at the party now, you can't believe it, right? You know, as a Democrat, by the way, today, if you stand up in a Democrat group, Sid, and you say, I, I stand with Israel, that, that's that's a, you get booed for that. <laughs> I okay? know. Really, I'm serious. The base is gone. Is You know, the, the Ilhan Omos and the Rashida Tlaibs and uh, the AOCs and, and the Bernie Sanders. And, and so even Scranton Joe, I, I served with Scranton Joe. I served. He was like he was a regular guy. I may have been wrong in every you know significant foreign policy decision as, as you know Robert Gates Secretary of Defense once said, but but he was still kind of a, a, a regular guy, and, and and he's off in Never Neverland. The, the party is 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 so just so far to the left. You know, listen. When I was a Democrat, when John Kennedy was a Democrat, you could actually support Israel and believe in low taxes. You know, <laughs> right? That's gone. It, it it is now spend, spend, spend. Uh, it it is democratic socialism, and 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 that's where the energy is. You know, where that and and it's. It actually breaks my heart. And, you know, on the Israel question, as you know, I said, I'm a national chairman of the Republican Jewish Coalition. 
I would love Israel to be a, uh, supporting Israel to be a bipartisan issue. But, but the, the Democrats who have that position, are, you know, they're, they're going to be a smaller and smaller group. They're going, they're going to be caucusing in a, in, a, in a telephone booth if people remember what that is, by the way. Okay? Uh, you know, that's, and, and so the party is – the energy on the party is way to the left. Uh, and, and as a result, I don't think that's good. Certainly not good for those who care about Israel, by the way, but it's just not good for America. Well, and I certainly care about Israel. And when Donald Trump was president, we heard about it all the time. He had a very strong relationship with Bibi Netanyahu. Unlike the prior six presidents, he did move the embassy to Jerusalem. Uh, the Golan Heights he recognized as a part of Israel. He did that deal with the Arab Emirates, which to this day is an unbelievable deal in the Middle East. No one could ever question Donald Trump's uh, love and loyalty for Israel. But I must tell you that uh, when we talk about the Democrats not loving Israel. I don't hear anything good, bad, indifferent. I don't hear anything coming from the White House about Israel. Well, it's 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 because you know the the folks who were in charge before Biden, you know, uh, the Obama folks who who were no friends of Israel, yeah. who you know negotiated an Iran deal without talking to the Israelis and the Saudis. So the Saudis, you got to learn to live with Iran in the neighborhood. Uh, and they BB Netanyahu kind of wait by the back door while the president was dining before he kind of come to Sam. They're really just crazy stuff. And of course, when they left, they they they, they left right before they left office. They, they uh, negotiated a UN resolution uh, that condemned Israel and 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 basically uh, said that that the the Western Wall, the most holy site in the Jewish state, was occupied Palestinian territory. And that we have, quote, the U.S. abstained, but afterwards it comes out that we actually kind of masterminded and, and, and put that all together. And so, no, you know, the, the folks who have not been, you know, strong friends of, of Israel and now the folks, you know, back in charge. And, uh, you know, it's challenging. It, it really is. Uh, it's, it's still the region is still a dangerous place. Uh, you know, the, the administration, this administration is looking to renegotiate an Iran deal that was a, das- a disaster before uh, that uh, will be a disaster again. And so. I don't know. You know, uh, listen, I think this this administration is is is, is got in there for a, a short period of time. Hopefully uh, they're going to get they're going to get you know, pounded in the election in November in terms of the House. Republicans are going to take control of the House. And one of my other hats, my other pro bono hats, it, I, I, I'm the chairman of the Congressional Leadership Fund. It's the largest kind of independent uh, third party group to support House Republicans. We will probably raise and invest a couple hundred million dollars this year in House races. I look at the polling all the time. Uh, America has had it with with inflation. They've had it with no border control. They've had it with uh, uh, defunding the police. They've had it with with being humiliated on the world stage, and you know, as a result of Afghanistan and other foreign policy disasters. And so, you know, you saw it in New Jersey, and you saw it in Virginia in November. Uh, in the elections there, uh, you know, folks have had it. And, and so I think this administration, they're under a short leash. And, and uh, you know, in the end, you just got to have a long term view in politics. You think uh, the Republicans go three for three, the House, the Senate and the White House in 24? I, I, I will I tell you, there's no question. And you don't want to get overconfident any any time this business things change, you know, so quickly, so much. But I think the die is cast in the House. I, I think the uh, more likely than not, Republicans take control of the Senate. Uh, and and certainly 2024 looks to be a, a good year. But, you know, as I say that, it's like I really, by the way, said I really want this country to do better. I'd, I'd really, you know, as much as I want to get rid of this administration, of course. You know, I'd like them to I'd like them to help get inflation under control. I'd help them, I'd like to I hope that they, you know, figure out a way to get the supply chain moving forward. I'd, I'd like them to have some rational policy on COVID. You know, the Democrats, by, which, by, by the way, on that one, all of a sudden you're seeing these Democrat blue parties, all of a sudden they're getting rid of the COVID mandates, right? 
uh, as, as if the science has changed in the last you know <laughs> month or two. Right. No, it hasn't changed. They, they, they're just measuring that where the people are at in their state. And, and they're saying enough, enough. Yep. OK, and, yep. you know, and then you get Stacey Abrams, you know, you know, the uh, you know, sitting with a bunch of kids, well, kids. And it's right. The kids are all masked and she's not. Now, now by the way. None of them should have been wearing masks because the data says the kids aren't, aren't transferring, you know, COVID in, 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 in grade schools and killing each other, and it's not killing them. Okay, so so the, the the science doesn't support that, but the kind of you know the the I don't know whether it's the sanctimoniousness, uh, the you know absurdity of folks who are you know kind of putting us all you know in in, in mass, uh, but for them they don't have to do it. You know, we, we say we're either eating at the French Laundry, you right. know, Stacey Abrams, and I mean, come on. You know, what do they say? It's, it's, it's for me, but not for thee. It's, oh, that's it's, them. It's right. crazy. Uh, Stacey yeah. Abrams, Gavin yeah, Newsom, all right. of them. You're right. I tell and you, I, uh, one I of the things. People the, just upset. People have had it. People no, of course. Said, of course. I've had it for a long time, too. But one of the things the uh, Democrats do, which I find to be really disgusting, Norm Coleman, is January 6th, for example, I've heard many Democrats say that's the worst day in American history. Oh, really? 3,000 people died 9-11. Pearl Harbor, thousands and thousands of people died. One person died January 6th. And by the way, she was a Trump supporter who was murdered for being that. So that is a ridiculous comparison. Then you've got people like AOC comparing detention centers in Texas to concentration camps. And then you've got this guy, the guy that actually defeated you. They cheated, but he defeated you back in Minnesota years ago. Al Franken saying this about our country. Go ahead, play this, Justin. Just a couple of weeks ago, Al Franken on the United States. This is a serious one, and and I just, I think other people are feeling it. It feels like, I don't know, 1933, 34 Germany, and I'm just like I don't know, a tavern, and I look over the other table, and there's guys in black jack boots and Nazi uniforms, and I'm going like, hmm, this looks bad. I wonder, I wonder how bad it can get. So, again, you knew all about this guy when you ran against him in Minnesota years and years ago, but now he's a distant and, 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 by the way, did did win on election nights. It did win when all the machines were recounted. You know? right. <laughs> it was nine months later. You know, ballots not counted election. Listen, first of all, just just an observation. I've really been kind to Frank, and I, you know, after nine months, you have to recount. And finally, now he's ahead. I, I I said enough. But listen, this is a guy that got perp walked out of the U.S. Senate. You know, and 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 had nobody defend him. Okay, there wasn't, and the Democrats in time, there wasn't, there wasn't a single Democrat senator for something. By the way, he actually shouldn't have to have resigned. He should have had a right to kind of contest and whatever, but he chose not to. But there wasn't a single hand that went up. And said, "Hey, this is a good guy. You know, he's worth listening. He's important. Nobody, Christine Gillibrand and others, they threw him under the bus. I mean, you know, boom, right away. And so, you know, but by the way, the context of this statement is because the the Democrats haven't been able to pass a a law that would federalize elections, that would take away states' right to kind of control their own elections, which is what our founders." You know, read, 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 read the, you know, kind of uh, the, the, the founders, read the Federalist Papers. OK, they're real clear. You know, states going to handle elections. Uh, and so the Democrats attempt to take they're trying to federalize They're trying to get rid of, of measures that would ensure, you know, voter integrity, such, such as voter ID. Uh, it's you know, you can require a voter ID. Excuse me, you can try an ID to go into a restaurant or bar in New York. You can right. show your vax card. Right. But it's racist. It's racist <laughs> to require that to show up and vote. Right. Uh, Insanity. And and so 
listen, that's, you know, he's a comedian. Maybe it was a joke. Yeah, joke, bad joke. Uh, uh, but, yeah. but I don't think it was a joke. No. I think he intended it real. Yeah. And, you know, he's, it, it's, I, I kind of put it aside. I mean, yeah. nobody's listening to Al Franken today. No, that's true. But I would also advise comedians never to use the Holocaust as a punchline. Just my, that's a joke. Can you imagine? Can you imagine? Absolutely stunning. Uh, absolutely unreal. Stunning. Uh, one more, Norm. You're a, uh, not just a great politician, a brilliant lawyer, and a super guy, but you're a big sports fan dating back to your days as a New York football giant fan in New York. Then, of course, you've lived in Minnesota your whole life, so you had to root for the Vikings. But uh, how about this? I guess by I guess by relation, uh, by family members, you have a reason. I'm for the Bengals. Yes, you're rooting for the Bengals. Okay, right. so I got to I got to uh, so so uh, I, I got to say Sam Hubbard. Okay, he's Mish Booker. Okay, but, but he's Mish my, Booker. My, my, my my son-in-law. Okay, Sam Hubbard is. And, and by the way, let's back up Sam Hubbard. So your audience knows you. You know, you remember Big John? Remember, you know, Big John, Jimmy Dean song. Stood six foot four with yes. two forty five, yeah. broader shoulders. Now Sam Hubbard's bigger than Big John. Okay, <laughs> he's six foot six. Yeah, he's huge. So, so, so I got a quick Sam Hubbard story. He's first of all, he's really a good guy. Uh, he's he's my son-in-law's first cousin. So we're having the wedding celebration at the end of June, early July this year, year after the wedding because of COVID. We had that big celebration. So of course, Sid, we're doing the horror, right? A couple. And remember, these are not Jews. The my my, my in-laws family, right? Right. right. They, 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 the couple can firstly do the couple. My daughter Sarah, your cousin, she's like a, you know weighs ninety pounds or something. I mean, easy. Everyone gets lifted up, you know, on the chairs and and, and the dance. Uh, then of course the the parents of the bride get up. You know I'm I'm not I'm not that heavy. I'm a I'm a you know a thin cup of water or something. Right. Still to this day, you know 145 pounds. They I get lifted up. My wife. Right so then we go to lift. They go to lift up the the, the uh, groom's parents. Well, his dad is a former linebacker at Notre Dame. Said okay. Oh my God. He, he's he he's still got he's got girth. They're not play. You know muscle is heavy. Okay. And, and so now you know and they've never done this before, right? <laughs> so they they're, they're going to lift. And they're trying to lift this guy, and all of a sudden, Sam Hubbard come, comes in, right? Uh, and, and Hubbard gets under, and it's like Big John. You know, he's lifting up, and he lifts the lift. And I'm thinking to myself, Sid, this guy just got a $40 million contract extension, $10 million bonus. He's going to blow his back out, okay? And, and they're going to ask him, so, 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 Sam, how the heck did this happen? He says, I was dancing the whole ride. I mean, think, think, think. I, 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 literally, I watched that. My heart stopped. It was like, oh, my goodness. He's trying to lift this guy up. Yeah. And it's him. It's just Forget about everyone else. It was Sam Olsen. Get Sam up. Oh, uh, and by great. the way, they got him up. And, and they, they danced and they held the handkerchiefs. And then it was beautiful. Oh, that's and, great. Uh, that is yeah, a great story. story. That he didn't get story. hurt. And he's going to start a defensive event for the Bengals on and, Sunday. And, and as, a res- as a result, they're in the Super Bowl because he did two sacks under two minutes. Ball at the four-yard line. Right. And he comes in. He sacks Mahomes. Very next play. Now 40 seconds left. He sacks him again, and then, by the way, forced a fumble. If they would have recovered the fumble, there would have been no overtime. Right, so, right. So they're in the Super Bowl because the Sam Hubbard would have been out of the Super Bowl because he tried to dance the whole round you know, <laughs> and lift up that it was bigger than he was. Oh, that's a great story. Now, I'm rooting for the Bengals. I had no no horse in the game on Sunday. Now I'm rooting for your son-in-law's uh, cousin. There you have it. There you go. There you go. That is an awesome story. That And what a great way to end this conversation. So it's great to talk to you. I love you, Norm. You know that. Uh, great, great conversation. Best of luck to your son-in-law's family and the Bengals on Sunday. We'll talk again very, very soon. Thank you, Norm. Love, love.
too, Sid. Love you, love you. Thanks. I love you, too. That's uh, my first cousin, Norm Coleman, the great senator from the state of Minnesota. Brooklyn boy, done good. One of the uh, really very proud of Norm and love him very, very much. 1-800-848-WABC, 1-800-848-9222. We'll talk to New York Post, uh, New York Post columnist Miranda Devine coming up at 840. Wayne Allen Root. Out in Las Vegas, coming up at 925, Super Bowl odds. But coming up next, Lydia reports right here on the Wednesday edition of Bernie and Sid. on your sunny Wednesday morning here in New York City. So we had this discussion yesterday before we get to Lydia about these uh, this outdoor dining, which I happen to like, and I don't want to hear from these blue-haired morons in the village. It's a fire hazard. There are rats. There's always rats. There's homeless. There's always homeless. There's filth. There's always filth. Nothing's changed. Maybe the fire hazard thing is, is right, but nevertheless, they're going to take these things down uh, sometime in the next year. Is that right, Justin Alec? The uh, The outdoor sheds are coming down? Yeah, I mean, uh, uh, I would assume that the pandemic would be over within the year. The pandemic's once, been over. I know, but once they declare it uh, over, yeah. then they'll take all the Then the, the stuff city out. will go back to being beautiful again because God knows there's nothing more beautiful than a Wednesday morning on Bleecker Street or Thompson Street. I mean, are you effing kidding me? Give these people a chance to make a living. Anyway, here's Lydia. Lydia reports. This is Lydia Reports on 77 WABC. Here's Lydia Serrani. I was going to do my report on the fact that Kathy Hochul is so determined to satisfy her radical, regressive, lefty supporters that she is still keeping masks on her kids, even though experts on both sides of the aisle, they're saying that it contributes to learning loss. It contributes to speech delays. You even had Mayor Lightfoot in Chicago saying that remote learning is why they're seeing such a sharp rise in carjackings and shoplifting among teens. So we well, hold on. Well, well, while you're saying that, I'm glad you brought that up because that gives us an opportunity to play this. Excellent job, Lydia. Here is the aforementioned mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot, uh, talking about what Lydia just mentioned. Cut four. We started seeing this rise in cases um, in 2020, and I'll be frank and say, um, in Chicago, um, there was a uh, correlation that we believe between remote learning and um, and the rise in carjacking. Um, having talked to state's attorneys who were dealing with these cases in juvenile court um, and others, a lot of parents went to work during the day thinking their teenagers were logged on for remote learning only to find something else. And I asked, you know, is there some new market uh, for stolen cars? And unfortunately, the answer was no, that for many of these kids, some of whom had no prior involvement in the criminal justice system, this was um, pure boredom. 
But we're way past that point now. And we've got to bend the curve on this issue. There's a mayor of Chicago, Lori Lightfoot. Go ahead, Lydia. Idleness is the devil's playground. We've been talking about this. You know, kids were having sex parties, too, in New York City. This is what they were doing. Yes, they were having... There, yes, when Ooh, the parents what? would go to work, what? they thought the teenager was home doing remote learning. They'd mm-hmm. get their friends over. They're doing drugs. Yeah, teenagers, 14, 15, even younger, God only knows. This is We've been saying this from the beginning, the remote learning, the masking. Our kids are suffering consequences that we will see so bad in like 10, 20 years from now. We're going to have the COVID kids, just like we have the crack babies that we see the 30-year-olds out of their minds now from back in the 80s. Yeah, yeah. And same thing. Late 30s, we're going to see the COVID kids. Yeah, Christina so- made a good point yesterday, too. Her youngest son, Lorenzo, he's only four years old. He doesn't hear very well. Either do I, mind you. And I can tell you that sometimes I read lips. I'm not kidding you. Sometimes I read lips if I'm having difficulty hearing what the person has to say. Same thing with her child. He's four years old. Guess what you can't do when somebody's wearing a mask? Read lips. Exactly. It's right. horrible. Right. So I, I hope you're not taking the subway anymore because then this story just popped up. So the crime on the MTA is out of control. Nobody's paying the fare. It's gotten so bad that even regular people, my, some of my friends that take the subway, they're like, I can't even pay because it, by the time I try to get my phone out to do the Apple Pay or get my card out, people are jumping. So I just go through the door at this point. So now they want to lower the fare to incentivize people. That you Do you know in Brooklyn, a kid, a random kid on the subway in Brooklyn got stabbed. Then on the Upper West Side, on the number three train yesterday, a 23-year-old girl, woman, excuse me, she got punched in the face. A woman stole her phone and ran off. We are hearing about these attacks like crazy. Meanwhile, ridership is way, way, way down, below 50%. And then I looked at another statistic from DA Bragg of all the gun arrests. You know, they make all these gun arrests, right? The NYPD, they work their butts off. They get all these criminals, guns off the streets. Guess what percentage of those suspects are currently in custody? Oh, God, about 2%. No, it's actually, it's about 20%. Oh, 20%. It's about 20%. But if you're caught with an illegal gun, shouldn't it be 100%? 100%. Shouldn't it be automatically be be behind bars and getting ready to go spend Uh, a year or two behind bars? Yeah, this is a conversation that I had with Peter King, uh, Lydia, here last hour. Well, you know, Alvin Bragg, the Manhattan DA, is kind of walking back some of the ridiculous things he said initially, which were basically outside of rape and murder. I'm not going to put you in jail. He now, only walked back one little thing, and he's full of it. Right. Well, that's exactly what Peter King said. I said to Peter, I said, it doesn't sound to me like you've got confidence that Bragg is really walking any of this back. And he said, well, I really don't. So he's not fooling anybody, Lydia, is my point. He is not fooling anybody because recently a Dwayne Reed was held up at knife point, and the the felony. Remember, it was supposed to be a felony yeah. if the person displayed a weapon because Bragg and, and people in his initial memo on January 3rd, he said an armed robbery would be downgraded to a misdemeanor as long as the person didn't hurt anybody. So you could brandish an axe, a knife, a chainsaw, a gun, you name it. But as long as no one was seriously hurt, so you could just had to nick somebody, it would be downgraded to a misdemeanor. And then, uh, just, to point out how stu- no, just to point out how, stu- how stupid he is, I've got a relative who was inside a jewelry store back in the 1980s, Lydia, back on Avenue U in Brooklyn, who walked in uh, during a robbery and uh, was told to stand up against the wall and keep her mouth shut. And two guys, uh, you know, ravaged the place and stole all the jewelry. Well, one guy kept a gun on her and the person behind the desk. And I will tell you, nobody got shot. Nobody got nicked. But for 10 years, 10 years, 
this relative woke up in the middle of the night yelling and screaming with nightmares. Is that not a personal injury? Absolutely. And I had, uh, I mean, I'm going to say this. I had a stalker when I was in South Carolina. He never physically touched me. He was trying to break in and I saw him sitting on my couch. Yes. He was in in your house? In Uh, my apartment. And I lived on the second floor. It's a whole big story. Oh, my God. But it, it traumatized me to the point of where course. I was convinced. I, every time, and I'd never forget his face. And uh, it's Did they arrest whatever. him? Did they eventually arrest they him? Ev- yeah, because he came back again. And thank God my neighbor downstairs saw him waiting outside of my door yeah. for me to come home from work. And oh. they, they, they jumped him and they held him down to the cops came. And then you married him. Unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But I'll tell you, you know, that whole that whole saying, sense of security, he never touched me. We just kind of came face to face because he was trying to break in through my balcony, through the glass doors and everything. And I was holding the door shut. It is it, it stayed with me for a really, really long time. I had to leave South Carolina. I moved. Wow. I came back to New York, had to move in with my parents because I was so freaked out. So I can't even imagine what people that have actually been physically attacked or have, you know, have a prolonged kind of experience like your cousin did, what they must go through. So Alvin Bragg, he is so out of touch. It's disgusting. I'm so disappointed in Hochul. And we got to take it back because we got to take our city back, our country back, our state back in White Plains. Hold on, when you say you di- when, when you say you're disappointed in Hochul, and, and I and I have this uh, discussion all the time. Why did you think that when she replaced Andrew Cuomo, she was going to be any different? I'm not disappointed. Uh, she's exactly what I thought she was going to be. Now I would be disappointed if Lee Zeldin or Andrew Giuliani or or, Garb- or not Garbarino, what's his name, Astorino, they won and they had the same policies. But she's not disappointing me. She's exactly what I thought she'd be. No good. Peter Peter King knew her. He worked with her a lot. And he said she was a common sense person. And and it's just Mm. so disappointing. Lee Zeldin is is a great guy. He's a man of integrity. So is Astorino. So is Giuliani. I personally interviewed all three of those guys. There is no way they would allow this to happen. And it's having ripple effects. The posh Westchester Mall, the Louis Vuitton store, the Burberry store, which are inside of a mall with a garage. And it's on the third floor. How could they have not stopped those robbers? I mean, they went in the middle of day. It's all, it's sad. It really is sad that it feels like people have just given up. You see all the graffiti, the homeless, everything everywhere. People have just given up. And we can't give up because this is the greatest city, the greatest state, and the greatest country in the world. And we should not allow these radicals to take over. The uh, headline, today's New York Post, the front page, I should say, with this uh, guy that stole 10 steaks. This is kind of laughable. It's not nearly as serious as as an armed robbery. Crime is up in 72 of 77 New York City police precincts. Folks, that's all you need to know. As always, Lydia, that's a a great job. Thank you so much. Thank you. And tune in tonight, John Katzmatidis, Cats at Night, 5 o'clock, all the news you need to know. We are on AM 970, 107.1, and 770, of course, WABC. Everything you need to know from around the world to around the block, you will hear it. Five o'clock, John Katzmatidis. And he tells the, he just tells the truth. All we need is courage. It's not easy to tell the truth and stand up for what is right, especially in a city like New York. But you got to do it. We have to do the right thing. So, Lydia, great job. Thank you very much. And uh, the show is great with you and John at five o'clock every weekday. You can follow Lydia on Instagram at Lydia News One on Twitter at Lydia News. And of course, she's here 825 every weekday morning. Coming up next, this lady is as good as it gets. I believe she's the best writer for any paper in the country. Miranda Devine from the New York Post will join us next.
the best of times They're the only times I've ever known And I believe there is a time for meditation In cathedrals of our own Now I have seen that sad surrender in my lover's eyes And I can only stand apart and sympathize For we are always what our situations hand us And see the sadness or euphoria All right, back on the Bernie and Sid Show. You folks know that when it comes to columnists in papers around the country, Bernie and I have the most respect, the most respect for Miranda Devine. We are in agreement that she is the best writer in the country, does a tremendous job for the New York Post, and on top of all of that, bestowed a great honor upon me this week when she agreed to write a blurb for my upcoming book, Citizens United, coming out this summer. So let me start by saying, A, Miranda, thank you for coming on the show, and B, thank you for writing that fantastic blurb. Oh, you're so sweet, Sid, and uh, I wish you all the best with the book. I think it's going to be a huge smash hit. Well, thank you. You just uh, had a book of your own that just came out, and uh, ironically, we had the same guy, Anthony Zaccardi, Post Hill Press, as our publisher. Uh, He's a terrific guy. Johnny Russo wrote my book, and you just uh, enjoyed great success uh, with your latest book on Hunter Biden. Yes, yes. No, it's it's selling well and uh, back in stock, and hopefully a lot of people can read it who um, might learn a few things about the president. You know, you got lucky because your book came out relatively quickly after they had your manuscript with me. And this goes back to Joe Biden. Because of the supply chain uh, chain shortage, they've told me my book, which was supposed to be out, I don't know, around uh, maybe uh, July 4th. Now they're thinking maybe September because of the supply chain shortage. What do you think about that? Oh, it's been shocking. It's really hit the publishing industry badly. And, you know, there's not enough paper. There's not enough uh, printers. It, you can't get the books to the bookstores. It's really quite, I mean, uh, it, it's acute. And you really notice that if you are an author trying to get a book out. Yeah, it's very, very difficult. Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist. So talking about your book and Hunter Biden, you wrote a story in yesterday's New York Post. And it was entitled, Hunter Biden Sought Forever Deal with China Military Tied Firm. And this, not just China, uh, which I believe has since been sanctioned this firm, but even the former prime minister of Kazakhstan, who was arrested for treason not that long ago, involved in this deal, a really, really shady deal, once again from Hunter Biden. Give the listeners some of those specifics, Miranda. Yes, well, look, it's one of many shady deals that uh, Hunter Biden and often his uncle Jim and their other business partners were involved around the world uh, and, you know, doing their business in Joe Biden's name and with Joe Biden's involvement, because we know that Karen Mazimov, who was the uh, prime minister of Kazakhstan, uh, who's now been uh, charged with treason, he uh, was pictured in a, a photograph at Cafe Milano. Um, which is a Georgetown institution, an Italian restaurant. He appeared in that photograph with Joe Biden and Hunter Biden and an oligarch from uh, Kazakhstan as well. And, um, you know, he was at that dinner in April of 2015 where with Joe Biden in that private dining room uh, in the Cafe Milano. And Joe Biden had told... Uh, 
Americans before the election that he knew nothing about his son Hunter's overseas business dealings. And yet here he was having dinner with not just Hunter's Kazakhstani business associates, but also uh, with Russians and with the Ukrainian executive from that corrupt energy company, Burisma, which was paying Hunter $83,000 a month. So he knew full well, and he also was uh, involving himself in the business and showing up at these dinners. And we know that that the tens of millions of dollars that came into the bank accounts of Hunter Biden, his uncle Jim Biden, and their various business partners in the United States uh, was coming not because Hunter is such a brilliant uh, international businessman. He was a crack addict. It was coming because people wanted to buy influence from his father. You know, it's still amazing to me with all the work you did last year, your expose exposing Hunter Biden in the New York Post uh, before the election. Then, of course, Tony Bablinski on with Tucker Carlson on Fox News uh, yeah. for two nights, giving him all the details that you'd already given in the New York Post. It's still amazing to me that at least uh, on the Democrat side, no one seems to care. We've been over this a million times. If, God forbid, Eric Trump or Donald Trump Jr. did one quarter, one-tenth of what Hunter Biden did, it would blow the world up. And yet again, here we are, more specifics, another sleazy story. And uh, for the most part, Democrats don't seem to care. No, and that's because they don't have to care because unless it's printed in the New York Times or the Washington Post, or appears on CNN, which just follow the leader, uh, it, it doesn't exist, you know, as far as they're concerned. They can keep their half of the country, their voters, in the dark. And that's what we found uh, after the New York Post story about the laptop and the, the sort of incriminating emails showing that Joe Biden uh, had met with Hunter Biden's business partners in Washington. Um, we, uh, the New York Post was censored by Facebook and Twitter and ignored by the rest of the media. And polls showed after the election that half of Biden voters had no idea about the scandal. And about 10 percent of them, if they had known, would have changed their vote. I tell you, you mentioned the fact that Hunter Biden... Uh, smokes crack or smoke crack. And you know, Miranda, I've been very public about my history. Uh, I'm a recovering addict myself. I usually tend to uh, at least sympathize with with some addicts, not all, but some addicts, not him uh, in this case. But I did drive by Tucker Carlson last night, and he was talking about crack pipes. He was talking specifically about how the Democrats want to make life easy for drug addicts, give them a place to go, give them a place to do drugs, which I just don't understand. Now, again, I get it. Joe Biden's own son uh, has a problem with that, so I could see why he would be sympathetic towards that. But uh, how could this be real? How can we really be in, in trying to make a position where we're making life easy for drug addicts? Well, I mean, you understand that it's not sympathetic to, uh, you know, encourage people in their addiction. I mean, addiction is a terrible thing. And I do feel very sorry for Hunter Biden um, because he, you know, he seemed like he was a nice enough guy uh, without the addiction. But it, it, it was a terrible thing for his for his soul, really. And uh, you know that it's just like being in prison. And so why would you enable that? Why would you encourage that? Um, instead of getting people into rehab or preventing them becoming addicts in the first place, um, we seem to be doing the opposite. I don't think it's compassionate to people. I don't think it's compassionate to see addicts shooting up near Penn Station. Um, I think that's 
just degrading and awful for them. What kind of a life is it? So um, I, I don't think it's kind. And I've seen it in other parts of the world where, you know, um, I, I understand when we gave needles during the AIDS epidemic uh, to stop people from getting AIDS, sure. But this this is different. Um, why Why would you help people to take a drug that's so destructive? I couldn't agree more. Miranda Devine, New York Post columnist. On the way out, you talk about uh, Penn Station. You're here in New York, obviously. You're traveling right now, but you're here in New York, and you see what's going on with this city. So between Eric Adams, the new mayor, Alvin Bragg, the new Manhattan DA, Kathy Hochul, uh, not voted in but in charge now since Andrew Cuomo decided to leave, do you feel like uh, eventually this city will return to the great city it once was, or are we completely doomed? Well, Eric Adams is saying all the right things, and he was elected, he knows, because he was an ex-cop and he was the only one of the Democratic candidates who was actually talking about law and order. So he has a mandate to fix it. But at the moment, all I see is fancy words. And, uh, you know, he invited Joe Biden into town and he was extremely excited about that. And yet Joe Biden's part of the problem because he and his party were playing footsies with the defund the police and empty the prison, uh, open the borders crowd. And um, so that's not helping. And when Joe Biden came to town, he talked about the iron pipeline, about guns coming across the border. I mean, that is not the problem. That is like on the list of priorities, that's about number 1,999. <laughs> you know, and, and I talked to... Um, uh, you know, the great Rudy Giuliani, who was the mayor who saved New York last time. And he just said, you need tough talk. That what Eric Adams should have done the minute that Alvin Bragg issued that memo, basically decriminalising a whole lot of felonies, um, was including armed robbery, um, was to bring him into your office, shut the door and say to him, you rescind that memo now or I'm going to get you fired. And if he refused to do it, you go to Kathy Hochul and you say to her, we know that you care about uh, getting re-election more than anything else. So I'm going to make sure you don't get re-elected because if you don't fire this guy, every homicide, every brutal crime that happens, I'm going to hang around your neck. I'm going to blame you for it. I'm going to say that you're complicit in murder. And um, and that and he said you wouldn't have to wait very long before there is a murder that is directly attributable to Alvin Bragg's new memo to his his progressive prosecutor policies. Miranda, as always, you're brilliant. You're not good. You're great. Thank you so much in this uh, early morning uh, on your travels for uh, calling in and sharing the wisdom with us. Have yourself a great trip, and I can't wait to talk to you again, Miranda Devine. Thank you so much. And thank you so much, Sid. Have a great day and have a great show. You too. The great Miranda Devine from the New York Post calling into Bernie and Sid this morning. As always, 1-800-848-WABC. That's the number. 1-800-848-9222. We'll take a short break. We're back right after these short messages. Oh, no. 
Wednesday morning, Bernie and Sid. Bernie will be back Monday. There's a slight chance he'll be back Friday, but it's minimal at best. So uh, we went solo today. We'll go solo the next two days. Had a great show today. Three great guests already, from Peter King to Norm Coleman to Miranda Devine. We'll talk to Wayne Allen Root in Vegas coming up in about 20 minutes on the Super Bowl bets, I guess. Is, is that why Wayne is coming out? He's also a very big conservative, uh, Root. I think he's on Newsmax and... Yeah, I mean, I think he would definitely welcome some political talk. But, yeah, uh, yeah I mean, I think the the main reason is um, to talk about some sports betting and yeah. see what the deal might be uh, in terms of point spreads, prop bets, all you that know, good New stuff New York, for Sunday. We, we just got the uh, sports betting legal here in New York, I guess, in December. And, uh, you know, we did $1.6 billion. Now, New Jersey had gone past Las Vegas. New Jersey, number one. That was one of the good things Chris Christie did. Oh, that's so Chris Christie. One of the good things he did before he left office, and Phil Murphy was able to reap all those benefits. But um, New York passed Jersey already I believe by, it. by about $300,000, I believe. I totally believe it. Well, you're on uh, those those websites. Are you on FanDuel? What are you doing? Yeah, I do FanDuel. I do uh, Caesars, too. I, I really only do Caesars because you sign up, you get uh, 300 it's free play money. I know. I know. So I'm still, uh, I'm still mooching off of that. Who does the uh, – does J.B. Smooth do those terrible commercials? Yeah. And then they're Halle, terrible. Halle Berry plays uh, I know. She's so cute, but they're terrible. The, the ones that are even worse are Martin Lawrence. Is he on FanDuel or DraftKings? You know which one he's on, Martin Lawrence? No, I don't. I they also suck. Luke, you're on one of those uh, the, well, websites too, right? I am, yeah. I, so I use the score and I use PointsBet as well. Ah, oh, that's in Jersey. Yeah, I'm. Uh, that's where I live. I went to visit them one day with my friend Danny Bianculo. Uh, we thought about bringing them on the show. They're in Jersey City. Big, beautiful office and a big, beautiful building. But uh, A lot of the offices are in Jersey City. I know Caesars yes. is in Jersey City. BetMGM is in Jersey City. So yes. uh, yes. big place to be. Good place to be. Jersey City, no doubt. You know, we haven't really covered this uh, uh, Chris Cuomo, Jeff Zucker story, and why not? I don't care. Uh, Jeff Zucker is gone. Good morning, Matt Meany. How are you, buddy? Chris Cuomo wants $60 million, $18 million cash, $60 million in the settlement, and he is literally blackmailing Jeff Zucker publicly. Not even private. He is publicly blackmailing Jeff Zucker and uh, saying, I got stuff on you that, I guess he said that, right? I got stuff on you that I'll be more than happy to release, which he's already done, the whole affair with that girl. I guess he's got more, and yeah, he's, he's probably been... willing and able to, uh, to really destroy Jeff Zucker. I don't know. It's been pretty public uh, blackmail. Yeah, 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 pretty exciting. But I just don't care enough about it. Me neither. Do we have any audio? You want to play something? Or we don't have any audio. On okay, that. perfect. Let's go to Lisa in New York City on line one this morning. Good morning, Lisa. How are you? Yeah, hi, hi. Uh, first of all, I love you guys, and I love Miranda Devine. I just tuned in for Miranda Devine. I missed what happened earlier, so I don't know if this has been addressed. But everyone seems to be missing the point that Eric Adams has his eye on 2024. So he has to walk a thin line between being beholden to the hedge fund people and the normal legitimate... When you, his eyes on what? The gubernatorial or the president of the United States? of the United States. That's the long vision. Uh, well, I, I said that a couple of days ago to Bernie. I said, Bernie, you know, I said the same exact thing you just said, Lisa. I think Eric Adams has grand designs on the big shot, the big office. And uh, he said uh, he doesn't see it. He just doesn't have 
you know, he was a cop. He was a Brooklyn Borough president. But there's not enough there to get him to the uh, the Oval Office. And certainly uh, his run as Brooklyn Borough president. Brooklyn went through a lot of bad crime, a lot of issues. And his first 35 days as mayor has been a complete nightmare. So he may have his eyes on 2024. But and I did make that point as well, Lisa, to your point. But I don't think that's realistic at this point that he can become the president of the United States. He's got, he's got a lot of work to do just to prove he could be a decent, forget about good, forget about great, forget about savior, just a decent mayor, which should be easy coming off the moron before him, Bill de Blasio. But it's not that easy, clearly. Kurt is on Staten Island on line three. Good morning, Kurt. Good morning, Sid. How are you? I'm all right, pal. How are you? And good morning to Bernie, wherever he is. I notice he's not here he's today. He's at uh, Sloan no, Kettering no, right no, now no, getting no, chemotherapy. No, no, no. Okay. All right. All right. Um, I wanted to talk about these uh, these these government supported drug dens. Yeah. You know, I was listening to Rita Cosby last night. She brought up a good point about drug these places. Now, you know, they're going to encourage drug dealers to be in these places. But the other thing, my concern is these young people who are not yet involved in drugs. It's like an open invitation. Come in. We'll be here to help you. We'll be here to support you, and thereby creating new. Joe Yeah, I don't know about that. I, I, I think that's a bit uh, cynical. I don't think kids are going to be like, oh, cool, we can go here and do it. I mean, if they do it and then and there are issues, I, as a recovering addict myself, and as I said to Miranda Devine moments ago and I stated earlier in this program, I tend to sympathize with the addict. I always do. Much to the chagrin of a lot of you folks who don't do drugs, you, don't, you just don't get it. You know, you know how many days I used to spend on radio trying to explain to people, well, because you don't get it, that doesn't matter care if you get it or not. You know, I have a buddy that um, one time yelled at me. He really wanted to punch me across the face because I said, listen, man, I got a disease. He said, you don't have a disease. You're weak. My mother, she had cancer. I watched my mother lose 125 pounds. She was down to nothing and she died. She had a disease. You're weak. I'm sick of hearing you've got a disease. I got news for you, moron. I've got a disease. I'm sorry. I do. Uh, I don't make excuses. I've been fired from uh, many jobs. I've blown millions and millions of dollars. Everybody knows I would have been the morning show at WFAN after Imus, not Boomer Esiason, not Craig Carton, none of those guys. And I blew it. Millions and millions of dollars. That, that's, no, that's, that's no mystery here. Um, but we do suffer from a disease. And I do tend to sympathize most of the time. Most of the time. But I'm also out here saying, don't make life easy for us. Hey, you want to smoke crack? Go right down the block. Hey, need a new crack pipe? Here's one for you. Go ahead. You smoke that rock. That's insanity. That's nuts. You got to be out there every single day trying to dissuade, dissuade people like me from doing drugs. Not, hey, 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 don't worry about it, baby. We got you. We got you covered. What is that? I mean, I thought we were a society of law and order. And let me tell you something. When you need those drugs, and I never got to that point. I wasn't like, uh, who's the kid from a Bronx tale? He played Little C. Chaz will never talk to that kid again. Uh, Lilo Brancato. Chaz will never talk to that kid again, Chaz Palminteri, because he broke into a house. He shot a cop. He was a real down and dirty druggie. I think Joe Tacopina actually defended him. I never got to that point. But I got to tell you, you start thinking of crazy things to do to make sure you're getting your next line of cocaine or shot of heroin or whatever your drug of choice is. You do. You just do. 
And you know, you know while you're thinking about it that it's wrong. But that's the power of the disease. Whether you're doing heroin, drinking, placing a wager, banging the neighbor's wife, any one of those things. I remember when Tiger Woods was in trouble and people would say, give me a break, sex addict. You tell me one guy that's not. And I, I would have difficulty. <laughs> not, I mean, I, it kind of sounded right, you know. But, but I tend to buy into all of it because I do think there are people that are, quote, unquote, sicker than others. They just are. Like just, I mean, Justin Alec, for example, you, you masturbate twice a day. Right. right. Uh, but there are some that eat it five times a day. Yeah. Now, would you call that a mental illness because you know it's wrong? But, but uh, Of course. Yeah. Absolutely. When you know something is wrong, when you can rationalize it in the moment, and I've done this before, and still do it. I knew when I did some of these things that I was risking my wife, gorgeous wife, 30 years. Now, 30, going on 30 years, but brilliant, attorney, great mother, risking my children, my homes, my jobs. Let me tell you something. 30, 40 years ago, no one knew when you went out there and did what you did unless you were really famous and the news covered it. Today, camera phones, Google, my kids have Googled me. They see a mugshot. i like, I can't get the damn thing off the page. I can't get it off the page. But it's out there. That's the difference. You can't get away from stuff. You say something 30, 40 years ago, if it wasn't on tape, you can deny it. Now it's on the Internet in five seconds, Media Matters. It's a completely different world. It's a much more difficult world. I, I, gotta say, I, I don't want to hear it. Everybody claims it was tough during their generation. This is a crazy world we live in today. This is a crazy world. You've got temptations everywhere. Pornography all over your phone for free. Gambling whenever you want, wherever you want, from the comfort of your own phone. Drugs now, you can go smoke crack <laughs> in a storefront. You can go get mushrooms in a friggin' bodega. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. So I think it's even, and, and the pressure is today too with the money. And let me tell you something. I'm not talking about just kids. You know, when you're a kid, you go to college, you really want to make something of yourself. You want to do better. The parents want you to do better than we did. I know ladies in their 50s, and all they care about is money. What car they're driving, how many homes they've got, who goes to a fancy vacation place. It's a sick society we live in today. It's sick. It really is. I just, I, I don't know, you know, we spend a lot of time talking about a lot of issues on this show. But to me, the ruination, the fabric of what I was used to was, it's gone. It's gone. I don't, I don't know what people's priorities are anymore. Thank God again, I'm married to a wonderful woman who's able to, to, to she's one of the best lawyers in the country. She really is. Whether it's matrimonial, criminal, it doesn't matter. She's great. And she's a great mother and a great wife. She works 12-hour days, runs in the morning, stays in phenomenal shape at her age, and comes home and makes dinner every night. I mean, I can't tell you how lucky I am to have that. Because most of the women I know, most of them, they don't care. 
Oh, they love their kids. They're quick to tell you that. I love my kids. I love my kids. Why do they have a Mercedes? Why, why are they living in a $2 million house? What about me? I don't know. What do I know, right? I mean, come on, I'm just a dopey Dope, radio yeah, host. Yeah, you're just a dopey radio host, exactly. I'm just a dopey radio host. But um, it's a little, it's a little scary. It's a little scary. Well, it's coming from personal experience with you. So uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're very credible. Really? Yeah. You need the job that badly that you suck up. I mean, all day long, the patron, it's just, it's. No, if I wasn't serious, I would have said it um, like something like, uh, you know, way more sarcastic. And you didn't do that, did you? No. I probably would have said, oh, Sid, you're really credible. Right. But you're being completely sincere. Right. So I just said, you know, you're very, you're very credible. Mm Mm-hmm. Okay, well, thank you for that. You're welcome. You can learn things from me, you know. Yeah. I got 30 years on you. Yeah, I'd say I learn one thing every few months. That's great, thanks. Are you nuts? You learn one thing every day, at least maybe one thing an hour. What, every few months? He didn't mention that it's usually learning one thing not to do. <laughs> well, that's true, too. <laughs> You're right about that, but hey, let me tell you something that's important. If I could be that guy, don't do this. It's just as important as do this. Exactly right. Because all I really would have to do is, you know, kind of do the whole uh, interchangeable sort of deal, and uh, then I would have the answer of what to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Now, why is Wayne Allen Root coming on next? And he wants to talk some Super Bowl, some ah, sports betting. The Super Bowl. Yeah, he's going to um, encourage you to gamble like a degenerate this weekend. Oh, that's great. Yeah. I do want to take phone calls, though, after Wayne Allen Root is done, because I see the phones are lighting up. 1-800-848-WABC, one 800 848 Eight four eight ninety two twenty two. So we'll talk to a Wayne Allen Root. We'll play uh, the game, beat Sid, and we'll take your phone calls. We'll make it a very exciting final forty three minutes before Brian Kilmeade comes your way. You want to get a, a contestant for Beat Sid right now? Yeah, why not? All right, one eight hundred eight four eight WABC at stake. A one hundred dollar gift card. Compliments of Pete Morgan and Peerless Boilers and a WABC Barry House coffee mug. This is Bernie and Sid on a Wednesday. Keep it right here. I'll get to all your phone calls here, Art in New Haven, Carmine in New Rochelle. Maybe not Carmine because I don't want to hear that it's not a disease. Uh, it's just stupid. John in Huntington, Dave in Maryland, uh, all of you folks, I'll get to you. But I got a guy on the phone that uh, I actually enjoy this guy. He's a conservative radio host. He's the host of the Wayne Allen Root Show on KBET and the USA Radio Network, formerly on Newsmax. I used to watch uh, Wayne on Newsmax once in a while. He now owns a publicly traded company, VegasWinners.com, the symbol WN, excuse me, WNRS. Recently, they partnered with the MGM Hotels, BetMGM. So he's a big deal. Live, I guess, in Las Vegas is my friend Wayne Allen Root. Wayne, good morning. How are you, pal? 
Hey, Sid, good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Are you in Vegas this morning or Los Angeles? I'm in Vegas. No, no, I'm a Vegas guy. I live in no, Vegas 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Well, I figured that, but I didn't know if you were going to the actual game in L.A. this weekend. I never go to the game. I have a big party at my home. I watch it on the big screen. I'm nice. the happiest guy in the world. I love it. Yeah, you like living in Las Vegas, huh? Uh, you know, listen, I'm, I'm a through-and-through New Yorker, right? I lived in New York, born and raised in Mount Vernon, New York, Mount Vernon Hospital, 27 years in New York. And Vegas is the closest thing to New York, except it's heaven. It's New York with great weather, other than July and August, which is ridiculously hot. Right. And uh, But other than that, you know, 10 months a year, perfect weather. Sun's out every day. The most beautiful women in the world. Oh, God. And no taxes. Now, yeah. explain to me, and legal sports betting, explain to me who's upset at no taxes, perfect weather, and restaurants 24-7. What's not to like, right? Uh, I mean, look, I would agree with the no taxes. The, the weather's not perfect. It's, it's it's too hot more than two months a year. They're not the most beautiful women in the world, Wayne. You're nuts. Any given day, Madison Avenue blows Vegas away. And to be honest, the Strip, and I love Vegas, don't get me wrong, the Strip, uh, outside of the really nice hotels, can be a little sleazy. I'm just telling you, for me, and I love gambling, and I love Vegas, and I love you, it would be hard for me to live in that town. There's way too much temptation. Oh, I guess if you live a couple of miles away in one of those cute little communities, I guess maybe not for you, right? right? Well, that, that's the thing. We don't live near the Strip. You know, you got to remember, the Strip isn't Las Vegas. It's only Las Vegas for tourists. Right. We live in Summerlin. Matter of fact, I just got married in November oh, oh, to one of the most oh, oh, my beautiful women there. in the world. Oh, congratulations. Mazel tov. All my friends are there. Yes. Mike Levy and, and uh, you know, well, what's his name? The... Um, uh, John Tornauer, you know, the uh, the radio host, they all live in that the same uh, village you live in. Yes, Summerlin's beautiful, and the, and the gal I married is the president of Summerlin, so she represents, she's over oversees 19,000 suburban homes. So Summerlin, you know, we're like the mayors of Summerlin. Every restaurant I walk in, everybody knows either me or her, so it's a wonderful life. And by the way, a great mutual friend of you and I said for me to say hi on the air, Tim Sabine. Oh, uh, Tim Sabine's a great guy. He used to run Howard Stern's channels. He's a great guy. Great guy. Great yes. guy. Wonderful. Yes. Been very important in my career in radio. Been very good to me. My career's been exploding, and he's had a great hand in it. So lots of great things going on. I'm the only good. guy in the world who's at the top of my field in conservative talk radio and a professional sports handicapper. It's a crazy combination, but it, it works for me, and you know, I get the best political guests in the world, and then I go out and pick football winners against the point spread. It's a very uh, unique combination. And I love both of those things because I'm a uh, Republican myself, and I love football and gambled most of my life. So certainly you're a guy that I appreciate, Wayne. Let's get to the political uh, side first. I know you're a guy that was, for a while there, part of the Libertarian Party. Uh, you moved on. I know you were all about Mitt Romney. So was I. I covered that election down in South Florida against Obama very closely. He turned out to be a real backstabbing scumbag. But then you did, in fact, jump on the Trump bandwagon. You guys are pretty close friends, you and Donald Trump, Yes. Um, he was on my show yesterday. <laughs> Is that right? I, I get him as a guest probably more than anyone in the United States of America. I've been on his, uh, he's been on my show three times in the last nine months. And, uh, you know, every person that listens, what I'm most proud of is that every person that listens sends me an email and says, you know, I hear him on Hannity. I've heard him on Levin. I've heard him on this show or that show. I've never in my life heard him in an interview where it's like two buddies talking. You and him are like two best friends talking. And that's awesome. what we're like because we're both from New York. We're both businessmen. And we both think alike in so many different ways. We both produced hit reality TV shows. I've got the big, one of the biggest hits in the history of television, by the way, uh, was produced by me, and very few people know that. It, it, you know, we have very 
similar careers and thinking about life, capitalism. I don't think either one of us considers ourselves a conservative as much as a capitalist. Right. The world doesn't work unless people can make money freely. You can't ban their thought. You can't tell them what to do. Government has no right to tell anyone what to do or to steal our money or to force inject us. All of it is sick. It's mental illness. It's Soviet-level communism. And Trump and I understand that. Even if you love the vaccine, the vaccine mandate is the worst thing that's ever happened to America. <laughs> and you guys in New York are crazy. You know, to try and stop me from walking in a restaurant if I'm unvaccinated is mental illness at a level I haven't seen since the Soviet Union. No, no, you you say, want to yeah, kill no, well, people because they're unvaccinated? Well, you say you, crazy. you guys are crazy. It's not us. I mean, the everyday New Yorker right. is like me. We can't stand it. We hate mandates to begin with. There's nothing There's nothing American. There's nothing Democratic. There's nothing constitutional about a mandate, uh, and, and whether it's a vaccine or anything for that matter. So we hate it. We hate it. You see what James Carville said yesterday? This is my, yeah. my example of mental illness. He wants to punch people in the face who are unvaccinated, and he wishes that, that Biden would ban yeah. interstate travel for the unvaccinated. Yeah. Guys, I don't know how to explain this to everybody. The pandemic is over. There's no reason for masks. There's no reason to be vaccinated. There's no reason for, for uh, lockdowns. There's no reason for anything anymore. It's the flu. It's a terrible, contagious, awful illness that literally, if you take lots of vitamin C, vitamin D, and ivermectin and hydroxychloroquine are these miracle drugs. And I got COVID back in November, by the way, and I got over it in 48 hours Me and too. turned it into a minor cold Me too. by taking mega dose of vitamin C, vitamin D, and ivermectin. So nobody I, I, needs I, to risk an experimental vaccine. I didn't even take this that. It's insanity. I didn't even take the ivermectin. I took Tylenol and Motrin. I guess I'm tougher than you, and I was fine in two days. Uh, you but you're right. <laughs> works out. No, you're right. You're 100% right. This thing's been over for a long time. A long you, you time. You know what I said for the first day? I'll sum it up, and then we'll be done with this end of it. I said from the first day, Sid, and I'm quoted on national TV, on my Newsmax show, on my national radio show, it's a terrible thing. It's not fake. It's not false. It's not a scam. It's real. It's a pandemic. We all know that. But in the history of the world, nobody's ever ended a pandemic with masks, with vaccines, with lockdowns. You go to work every day. You go to the movies, you go to baseball games, you go to football games, and you get on with life because that's what life is about. You have to live life. Life isn't worth living in a mask all day, in lockdowns in your home, getting vaccinated if you don't want to be. I will say if you want to be vaccinated, great. I'm not against the vaccine. I'm against the vaccine mandate. Of course. If you don't want it, you shouldn't get it. If you want it, you should. But the point is, life had to go on because if grandma and grandpa are dying of COVID, guess what? It doesn't help them in their last days in a hospital room that you are broke and you're about to lose your house because they killed your job or destroyed your business. This can't work. The lockdowns are a disaster. I said that two years ago in March of 2020, and I was proven right about everything. 60 seconds uh, to go. Us two are on the same page as you. This is the great Wayne Allen Root, who, of course, uh, has a big-time, big-time show on KBET, the USA Radio Network, 
And uh, now, VegasWinners.com. Check that out. WNRS, a partner with MGM Hotels. Bet MGM. I got to tell you, I haven't found one person yet, Wayne, that likes the Rams minus the points on Sunday. Everybody. Now, see. Most people love are telling it. me to take the Bengals on the money line. Forget about taking the point a half. They I think love since he what you're saying. Line. Yeah. I love, I love what you're saying. It plays into my whole life. So let me explain how I got, you know, uh, uh, to be the top of the sports handicapping world. Somewhere along the line, as a kid, I was a better, and I realized, that everybody is generally wrong when they're all on the same side. And so I started using that theory, and I'd ask 10 people, 20 people. And I'm talking, I was a kid in high school, and then I did it in college at Columbia University. Then I did it out in the real world with people who, who were betting on sports at bars and restaurants and parties. And if you ask 20 people and 19 are on the same side of one game, you pick the other side and you win all the time. Not every time, <laughs> right. but a majority of the time, right? The people are generally wrong when they come to the same consensus. And so I've done this for 37 years. My lifetime record in Super Bowls, which is all documented, everything I do is sent to a documentation service independently monitored. Everything I tell you is guaranteed to be correct. I don't ever make things up or give opposite sides. There are people who do all these terrible things in our business, and I make sure none of that can ever happen. So I literally, in the last 37 Super Bowls, in my history as a professional handicapper, 27 and 10. 73% Super Bowl winning. And every person I speak to in Vegas, every waiter, every bartender, I literally take polls like a political pollster. So far, I've spoken to 45 people, and 40 out of 45 love the Cincinnati Bengals. I'm taking the Rams. I'm going to lay the points and take the Rams. It's very clear that the masses are on Cincinnati. They're all in love with Joe Burrow. And so I'm going the other way. It's not the only reason. Last year, I won huge with Tampa Bay. Why? They were the home team. I always take home teams in bowl games. They have extra motivation with big crowds behind them. We've got the home team with the LA Rams. We've also got a better defense. Every defensive category dominated versus Cincy by the LA Rams. And we got the team that's better, how do you tell, better strength of schedule. The Rams had the number two strength of schedule in the NFL this year. Cincinnati, number 26 out of 32 teams. So they haven't played anybody. And the team with the better strength of schedule tends to win about 60% of playoff games, postseason games. So for all those reasons, I'm going with the Rams. I'm actually announcing it to the whole world on national TV and national radio. But I also am going with the total and 21 prop bets. And all of that is available at VegasWinners.com, my website, for one low price. You get the Super Bowl side total and 21 prop bets. Obviously, I just handed you the side that's most important to me. But the total and the 21 prop bets are there all in one package at VegasWinners.com. You register. It's free. You get $1,000 of free winners when you register. And in college basketball, there's games every night. And and, uh, just in the month of January, my two top-rated plays, 25 and 12, 68% in college basketball. In the month of February, 10 and 4, 71%. So there's winners every night in basketball. So you start with football, and then you lay it on to basketball, and you got action every single night. Very 
proud of a, tw- a 37-year career. Uh, as you should be, Wayne. You're great at what you do. It is documented. I'm aware of it. I've been around this business for the better part of four decades. Nobody better than you. Also, one other reason for the Rams, don't forget, this team, not the quarterback, Stafford came here last summer, but a lot of the players on this team were in this big game just two years ago, so they've got the experience, and they're angry the way they lost in New England. They want some revenge. The Bengals, they'll be wide-eyed like, oh, my God, what are we doing here? That also plays in favor of the Rams. Anyway, Wayne, you're terrific. You're great. Continued success. Keep talking politics, sports, gambling, all of it. Thank you for coming on today and come back again very, very soon. We'll do the uh, the final four. Thank you, buddy. VegasWinners.com. Thank you, Sid. God bless to everyone and enjoy the Super Bowl. You too. Wayne Allen Root. Once again, VegasWinners.com. He's got the total. He's got 21 prop bets. Check him out today. He's somewhere around 70% in all these games. VegasWinners.com. When I was young, I'd listen to the radio, waiting for my favorite songs. When they played, I'd sing alone. It made me smile. Man, I need a massage in the worst way. My neck and my back and my shoulders... They are just so sore. Not that any of you care out there, of course, but when I work out so damn hard, that's why I look so magnificent, but I'm dying. Like I'm dying this morning. What a great show it was today. I know we miss Bernie. I get it. Believe me, no one misses him more than me. Nobody. But that was a heck of a show he put on. Great show. Did you call Frankie Kravitz yet about uh, your girlfriend? No, I haven't. You're down, you're down to like a couple of my screws. I thought, out of 18 I thought months. you were going to make an introduction for me. I'm going to. All right. You're, so running, out you of, you're, you're running out of time. I know. What do I have? I got like 16, 16 and a half months. months. I screwed you out of 18 months, I know. Yeah, and this is this is a short month, it being February. I know. All, so it doesn't even really count. I That's basically right. have like a year. That's it. Time to um, be a man. I guess. You know what I'm saying, right, brother? Not really. This guy goes, why do you do drugs in the first place? Because I were there. <laughs> I don't know. Because I'm uh, weak. <laughs> because I wanted to be cool. Because they look like they were having a really good time, and I want to have a good time. And I don't know why I did drugs in the first place. I have no idea. Nobody knows why they do drugs. Oh, God, you're right though. They are just there. Uh, they were there. I did it because I was um, my next door neighbor, who I love like a brother, who just lost his sister. She was one of the three people that died in that horrific car accident that I went to the funeral for a couple of weeks ago. Her brother Joseph uh, did it, and I looked up to him. Still do, by the way. He um, he did it. I did it, and. Um, it was fun for a while, but um, it was miserable for the longest time after that. Miserable. Two rehabs later, I can tell you that um, drugs are no good. No good. Don't even smoke weed. It makes you stupid. It really does. You just, you're, you're stupid. But um, anyway, you were great today, Justin Alec. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Uh, Luke Legrano, excellent job today. Appreciate you. Frankie Diaz with an E. Mike Garcia, always great. Always a pleasure. And uh, Deb Valentine, too. Christina will be back Tomorrow, Bill O'Reilly, so far, the only book guest. Is that right? I'll have three more, but is that the only one right now? Yes, so far. All right. We'll have a great show for you tomorrow, I promise. Prayers for Bernard. He'll be back on Monday. He's getting some more treatment uh, today. Uh, We had a heck of a show. Thanks to all of our guests, Wayne Allen Root, Norm Coleman, Miranda Devine, and Congressman Peter King. Till tomorrow at 6 a.m., folks, from all of us on the Bernie and Sid in the Morning Show. To all of you, Gabby Lopez, you too.